This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig, alongside, as always, King of Banter, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Uh, well, I mean, you missed a lot. I did. <laughs> I've never, you know, people always say, oh, you know, oh, oh, there's Rich taking a vacation during the second week of the Champion Carnival, or, you know, it's like everything, back in the old days, wrestling happened every day. You, you know, there was always something going on, and it was always the joke. of a, There was the one year. The one year I went during WrestleMania weekend, I get it. That one, I, I definitely, that was terrible planning. But otherwise, it'd be like, oh, Rich, it's like the, the third week of the G1. You can't miss this week. Or, you know, oh, no, it's Survivor Series weekend, Joe, uh, Rich. You can't miss that one. Like, all the other ones that got a little ridiculous. The WrestleMania weekend one, uh, that one was fair. But this, I couldn't have picked a better week to just fucking not have internet connection, occasionally check my phone and go, oh, my God, and then close the phone, throw it away, throw it down a fucking canyon, you know, throw it into a geyser uh, hot spring, and just run away as as much as I possibly could from wrestling news, because good God, what a bloodletting that was last week. Holy shit. The problem is you can't possibly entirely catch up, and there's no question you're going to be, like, putting over – <laughs> I know. I was. I try to. I'm trying to make a master list. I think you did a pretty good job on on Patreon, Voice Wrestling. dot uh, com slash Patreon. I think uh, was it Monday that you did that one, the Monday Roundup. I did a Monday News Roundup where I, I had I I went over everyone who had been punished to that point. Right. That's hardly. <laughs> it's not a master list at all, but. No, because it's very hard for some of the larger corporate entities to punish people without you know super hard evidence or in some cases the people are still being investigated so the list is far more extensive when it comes to the accused and with you not being around while it was all going on it was so crazy i was trying to do like news updates behind the paywall all week long and the problem was i would set up some notes and get ready to record and every 15 minutes there'd be another deluge of news it just never stopped, and it was 24 hours, and it, it was just uh, surreal, you know, and, and and it was hard to keep up even sitting home on your phone the whole time, and with you being gone, I mean, there's no question. I mean, you, you, you've definitely missed some, and there's going to be some that slip through the cracks and and don't get punished or get swept under the rug. That's inevitable. And you are definitely going to put over some kid touchers at some point because there's no way that you haven't – that you've seen it all. Like, because you weren't even around. Right, right. Especially, like, the indies ones. Because, like, you, you had mentioned on that news roundup as well that, like, here's the people that have been, you know, 
punished or fired or you know whatever but like there's a lot of dudes and and that are on the independence or whatever that it's just like they can't really be fired they can just sort of be shunned or or you know or blacklisted yeah. or whatever so like they you know like they've been named but we won't know that they officially are like quote-unquote fired from anything until you know bookings resume and that person never gets bookings again and we can go oh yeah okay that was you know one of the guys that was that was listed because yeah like i i was trying to follow as much as i could with again i was very glad to be away at national parks where I had no internet connection or whatever. But what I was finding is that like, I, I forget, you might remember the name. I don't even remember the name because it was such a, cra a crazy busy week, but who was the, I think it was a UK guy who had been gone for a while, came back, was like dancing on the graves of people that got named and then got named himself like three minutes later, then deleted his Twitter. That was like a hundred. You <laughs> damn it! There, there was, was the a... one that was like it was a like grand opening, grand closing for whoever this was. Oh my uh, god! You're, you're talking about you're talking about Josh Bodum. That's it, Josh Bodum. He like re he like reintroduced his Twitter account. And was like, yeah, yeah, I forget even who he was dancing on the grave of. This is what like... he said. He, he yeah, he had been sh he'd been shunned since the ref incident. Yeah, where correct. He beat up right, the ref. Right. And um, so he reactivates his Twitter account to basically say. Oh, you guys want names? I'll name some names. Because, you know, he's just going to burn it all down. Right, he doesn't give not... a shit anymore. Yeah, he's got nothing right. to protect anymore. Rich, literally five minutes later, <laughs> he gets accused God, and immediately shuts down his Twitter account again. It was the quickest oh, my God. resurfacing and then recanceling in the history. And, and, and he was hardly the only one. It, it, it became like a running gimmick where as soon as a wrestler came out to support those that were speaking out, you knew within the hour they were going down. It, it's just – it happened multiple times. His was just, you know, the most egregious example of it because he's had a terrible reputation forever right, anyway. Right. I like the, and, uh, the the progress leadership. That was always great too. They're like, all right, uh, we're, we're getting rid of these people. These are the new people. Wait, no, those people are gone too. And then like oh, – what was it? OJO or whatever was like – all right, OJO is now like the official, and then he said something, and then like, <laughs> like twenty hours Wait, later. You talking about Michael? You talking about Michael Oku? Yeah, Michael Oku. Yeah, that's it. O what Oku, the hell yeah. you calling him? OJMO or whatever is, is... OJMO. I thought you were saying OJO. No, no, like, no. Sorry, uh, OJMO. What's OJO? You talk so fast, like you're the fast talk. You've <laughs> always been the fast talker that's of the true. show. It sounded like you were saying OJO, and I'm like, who the fuck is OJO? Is he talking about Oku? Well, you were saying OJMO. You're, yes. you're slipping the M in there. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But, you talk uh, so fast, I can't hear the M. <laughs> but so they, they – and again, I'm just like – I had to kind of figure all this stuff out like 24 hours later, which may as well have been like nine weeks in, in, in last week's news or whatever. But, yeah, I see that like they appointed him as like a, a figurehead in, in progress or whatever. And then like 20 hours later, you know, he, he tweets out, oh, I have to step down from my post as a figurehead in progress. Yeah. Like, Good God. Yeah. And that was like it literally just, one person left in progress, right? Like the entire company is just completely burnt to the ground. Well, there's one original owner left. Um, and, yeah, they, they, um, they named a new – like leadership board or whatever the term they use. And he was on it. And then he got exposed for using some naughty words in a private chat. I don't know what the words were. And, uh, and he stepped down. Yeah. The, the progress ownership slash leadership is like the spinal tap drummer. Now it's just, it, it changes daily. Um, but um, I think that uh, Vicky Haskins is part of that now. And uh, one of the original owners, and then a couple of other people, Oku, yeah, but he, yeah, he was another one of these guys who immediately stepped up and then had to step down. So, yeah, it's a big mess. I mean, I, you know, and it was, a, it's a weird week not to have a flagship in the midst of all of it. Um, 
But I mean, I did talk about all of it two or three times behind the paywall. One of the New Japan Cup reviews, I mean, I couldn't ignore it. I mean, it was right in the middle of everything. So I did about 35 minutes of audio on it that day. And then the uh, news roundup on Monday, sort of just dealing with all the fallout from over the weekend. So, I mean, I, I was never planning on doing a flagship last week anyway when you were gone. Um, because now we're doing it live and everything. And ah, you handle all that shit. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was just going to take the week off and do all the paywall audio with all the New Japan Cup shows and everything. And um, But it's not like... It, it had to be discussed, though. You can't just punt the topic. So I made sure I talked about it at least a couple times um, behind the paywall. And now, you know, there's still – there's going to be more allegations trickling in, I'm sure. I mean, as more women become comfortable talking about things. But we're mostly dealing with fallout now. And I think there have been a few more – firings or punishments since I talked about it on Monday, but there's still a lot hanging out. And it's like, I've been saying this all along too to the listeners, but I think people need to prepare themselves for a lot of these guys skating. I mean, it doesn't like Matt Riddle. It doesn't appear he's going to be punished publicly in any way because he made them aware of it years ago, you know, when they signed him. You know, apparently. So it's like they were aware of it and already did their investigating and their vetting of that whole situation. So when Candy Cartwright came out with her stories, it didn't catch WWE off guard. Um, You know, and that's not me saying they're right or wrong for not punishing him. I'm just saying it doesn't look like he's going to be. I mean, he debuted on SmackDown the same day. They briefly took down, you know the preview hyping his debut for about an hour and then they put it back up and then his match aired as usual. And, you know, it was like a hero's welcome to the brand on top of everything else. So they're just full steam ahead with Matt Riddle, you know? And, um, I guess they had the conference call with the UK guys earlier this week. I, I, you know, the days are starting to blend together because we know that, you know, Jack Gallagher was fired hours after his accusations because he just came clean and said, yeah, uh, you know, these, it's all true. So they, they just let him go immediately. And he didn't get the good luck in your future endeavors either. He got the cold. This guy's gone really. You know how they have the right, two different Right, kind. right, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got yeah. the get the fuck out of here release. He got so. the we have come to the terms on the release of Jack Gallagher, period. Yeah, done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop. Yeah. So, you know, that's it, and he's done. I mean, he's one of the guys who will never wrestle. I don't think he'll ever wrestle again. Um, And then, you know, a couple days later, they fired Travis Banks and Liguero, and I think they've suspended, since the last time I've talked about this to the listeners, they've suspended Joe Coffey. So, and then the rest of those guys, and I'm looking for it, but I can't find it, Wolfgang... Um, Sid Scala, who else from NXT UK? Let me pull it up. Um, can you think of any off the top of your head while I'm looking for it? Or Those are the big names so I, I remember for sure. Um, 
It's uh, you, did the, you, you said on, Wolfgang, right? Sorry, I, I I got it right here. I got okay. it right here. So here's what we're left with with WWE Riddle, who we addressed, and then a bunch of and Velveteen Dream, of course, who they pulled from TV and haven't even breathed his name. I think he's a, he's going to be gone. Uh, yes, he's. Uh, you know, looking I, from I think, afar, yeah, it, it, it there's a lot of smoke there, a lot of smoke going on with the Velveteen Dream thing, and that, I mean, he's and he that's been bubbling for once. a long time. Yeah, it's been bubbling for a long time too. So, yeah, I mean, he he survived it once, and now there's more, and the mo is the same on all of the. If you've read through any of this right. stuff, oh, it's like, like it's like almost templated, which is really yeah. kind of weird and because cre- like you could say, oh, that you know, oh, they just made that, but like when you're seeing the same style of messages multiple times from multiple people and now you're like ooh, okay yeah. that's not that's not good yeah yeah it, like you're saying it's almost templated and that's how these guys operate yeah you know these predators but um so riddle i think riddle's gonna survive and again none of these are value judgments i'm just reading the landscape um i don't think velvet i think velveteen dream is done i think they're just waiting to to be able to pin something concrete on them uh devlin made one statement and has disappeared. And I don't think they've made any public comment on Devlin. Uh, Wolfgang, I haven't heard them make any public comment on Wolfgang. Uh, nor Sid Scala. Joe Coffey suspended. And they fired the two referees, Joel Allen and Chris Roberts. You know, in addition to Banks, Liguero, and Gallagher. And since they had their NXT UK call with Triple H already... I have to think they're done disciplining the NXT UK guys unless they're, you know, the investigations turn some new things up or there's some new accusations. So, you know, it looks like Joe Coffey's going to survive too. Because why would they have suspended him and not fired him if, you know, unless they're still looking into things with him, which I guess is entirely possible. But they didn't take any step with Devlin or, or Wolfgang or Scala. Um, you know, but that's what's going on. With WWE and AEW, you know, subscribers to the Everything Elite Patreon, I mean, they broke news on the AEW stuff that I haven't seen reported anywhere. I haven't read The Observer yet, so I don't know if The Observer has it. Not either, yeah, so I can't say for sure. But, you know, um, they suspended Guevara for the, the comment on the podcast, you know, without pay, gave his pay to a woman's charity. And Jimmy Havoc, you know, with the news broken on on everything elite is, you know, they put him into the rehab, which was the right thing to do. The man clearly has issues Um, and he's going to retire. And it's like, you know, I've been saying all week long, Jimmy Havoc will never wrestle again. I mean, no one's going to book him. So it's like you can call it a retirement, you call it whatever. But, you know. I don't know if he's going to face any criminal charges for some of the things he's been accused of. Maybe he should. He probably should. But I think the best thing for Jimmy Havoc is to complete his rehab and get the fuck out of the public life. Yeah. I just, you know, when, when you when you read about the details of the accusations, and it's not like in the case of Havoc, this stuff wasn't really a secret. You know, you know, maybe the particulars, but everybody knew that Havoc had a lot of problems long before last week. And, you know, you can praise AEW for avoiding Joey Ryan. And, you know, it's well known at this point that Tony Khan was, you know, was never a fan of Joey Ryan and, and wasn't going to hire him no matter how many of his VPs were pushing for it. 
I mean, and we were told that directly. Joey Ryan was never going to work for AEW. Yeah, even before, yeah, when, when all the rumblings were going on, and it seemed so obvious that Joey Ryan was was AEW bound, and we were the ones saying, mm, no, don't uh, yeah. don't buy that one. Which was reinforced last week. But, I mean, you can praise them for dodging that bullet. You can praise them for maybe steering clear at David Starr. But, I mean, Jimmy Havoc was a mistake. It, you know, it's because it's not like this Jimmy Havoc stuff was ever like a closely guarded secret. I mean, you know, even fans knew that Jimmy Havoc had some sketchy shit. You know, you, a lot of it tied to his drinking, and that's not excusing him. Right. You know, but and I and I think that they handled that properly. Instead of just cutting the guy loose, you know, they're like, okay, you know what? We're going to help this guy get the help he needs, and then we're going to just wash our hands of him. Then we're going to wash our hands. Because, you know, by saying that, you know, that they were going to send him to the rehab and then reevaluate later, you can read through those tea leaves. He was never wrestling for AEW again. I mean, he was – they were going to get him through rehab or at least attempt to do their best to try to help the guy out from that standpoint, and then they were going to wash their hands of him. But it looks like he's taking the decision right out of their hands anyway, and, and he's going to retire. And Guevara, I mean, he'll be back, and he deserves to be back. I don't think Sammy Guevara deserves to be shunned. Um, he said a stupid thing. He said a you know edge lordy thing on an edge lordy podcast, and um, I obviously am not one to cast stones in that direction. I mean, you know, and and you know he deserved punishment, and I think he got fair punishment. And you know now the thing with Sammy Guevara is now there's there's no. There's no leeway with him. He has to walk the straight and narrow. Right, now. exactly. Right, right. That's all, and that's fair. I mean, now he has to be on his best behavior, and he has to prove and show that he's learned. And we've yeah. talked about Sammy Guevara for years. He had maturity issues on the Texas indie scene that we talked about on this show before half the people listening knew who he was. And he went through a, a period where he was blackballed, and you know, because he he said something stupid on Facebook, whatever it was, six years ago, or I don't I don't remember what year it was anymore. When he was a rising star in the indie scene, that delayed his rise because he said something dumb on Facebook, um, not similar to what he said with the Sasha thing, just something else dumb. Um, you know, he had said something really dumb about a fan who had died, and a fan slash someone who also kind of worked with a promotion. Um, a San Antonio promotion, River City Wrestling, um, and, and he and you know he was punished for that too, you know, because no one, you know, he got blackballed for a little while and for about a year or so, and then you know he started getting booked again. So it, it, there have been maturity issues with Sammy Guevara all along the line. Wait, now that first issue he was like twenty, you know, this time he was like what was this two thousand sixteen? Two thousand sixteen, yeah. He was like twenty two or something when he said this, and I'm not again, it's not excusing. But, you know, people that are 20 and 22 say and do things that are stupid. I know I did. Yeah, and he was a particularly um, and, stupid young kid, <laughs> well, like, as, as mentioned. Extra, like. Yes. Yeah, and, and I mean, and, and he would even cop to that, I think. And it's like, um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being in the public eye and being a celebrity when I was in my early 20s. I mean, I've been canceled a million times in my 30s. I would have been canceled nine million times in my 20s. Forget it. So it's like, you know, I don't excuse, but I understand. And he doesn't deserve to be banished like some of these other. We have rich. They're serial rapists, right? And and I running was running around say, wrestling. That, that one of the things I did want to to address a little bit, you know, as I was kind of watching it, you know, play out from afar last week, is seeing these, you know, master lists of oh, these are the bad people, and like seeing, you know, 
and I'm not excusing what any people, you know, listed on that, that list did or whatever, but there, there's definitely like, there's links of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, there, there's, there's different levels of what people are doing. Just seeing a master list of people and being like, wait a minute, like that person was just being like, you know, whatever, that person versus Joey Ryan. Like they, they don't, they don't deserve to be on a list next to Joey Ryan just because they've been mentioned at some point over the last, you know, two months as, as, as like, we're talking like legit, like Joey Ryan should be in jail. Like Brandon Stroud should be in fucking jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. there's numerous people that are listed among this thing that should be in jail. And I hated seeing like just random people on that list of like, yeah, this guy was like creepy or something. And I'm like, okay, like we, we really need to, 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 I don't, I'm not saying you have to color code the list or whatever, but like, it, it, well, it just it, it rubbed me the wrong way this? just seeing a master list of 400 names or whatever and being like wait hold two of those like some of those people need to be in jail for what they've done you know versus and, and, some and of these well, others the problem is we don't need the lists i mean even the even the women coming out with their stories were very uncomfortable with the lists for some of the reasons you're saying and some other reasons too like a lot of the people putting together the lists Maybe their hearts were in the right place, but they were doing a really poor job. I mean, just putting names on there with unvetted stories and just people sending them random DMs, that's, that shit is dangerous, you know? And it's like – and like you're saying, there are levels to this. Like Joey Ryan and Brandon Stroud in particular, those two, like you said, I mean though, they, they belong behind bars. I mean the stories coming out about those two guys – are fucking heinous. Yeah. I don't even have words to describe. The Stroud stuff is fucking un- un- unbearable. Oh like, I read God, one of it the he... other day, and I just put put it my phone away, and was just like, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't even believe what I'm reading. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't even have adjectives. I don't have words to describe some of the shit that those two in particular, and some others too. I mean, there's so many stories, it's easy to forget a lot of these. And it's like, there is such a, difference between what brandon stroud was doing to seemingly dozens of women i mean even if it was just one woman i mean the things he was doing were just they were pure evil evil you know and and joey ryan was like reminiscent of harvey weinstein like getting women into his hotel room and then assaulting them and in some cases raping them I mean, that's Harvey Weinstein shit. And Harvey Weinstein is rightfully behind bars. You know, Joey Ryan belongs in prison. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but it should. And, you know, again, we talked earlier, patterns. You know, there's a pattern with Joey Ryan. It's the Harvey Weinstein pattern. Do whatever it takes to get them into a hotel room and then do your worst. You know? And it's fucking gross. And, and and Stroud too, and it's like you're right. It's weird that see these lists with people like that next to someone who said a bad word on a podcast, whether it was Sammy Guevara or whoever else, or someone who you know flirted a little too aggressively in some text messages and wasn't picking up the hint mm-hmm. that the woman wasn't interested. I you know it, it, there's levels here. Not that any of it's acceptable. But there certainly are some levels, and it, and the, that's why the lists were bad because you're lumping everyone together, and people aren't always going to do research. They're not going to say, oh, what did so-and-so do? And I don't even have a specific example. They're just going to see the name next to Joey Ryan and, and tie everyone together like everyone's a serial rapist. You know, So I definitely hear you there. 
But um, a lot of the lists, though, have faded because I think people kind of realized that they people were most people were very uncomfortable with the with the lists. Yeah, okay, that's good to know. At least. It's one of them. One of them came down because there were two different, two or three different lists being uh, generated, and and one of them, the Twitter account was down very like within forty eight hours of it going up because I think there were just so many loose accusations being thrown and then people lawyering up, you know, um, you know, like Trent seven. Yeah. He was, he was the one that I definitely saw. He has lawyered up and look, I don't know enough about his accusations to speak about them. And I'm not going to do that, but he's just an example of some Matt Riddle lawyered up and, and there, there's many examples Devlin appears and, to have as well, probably, which is why he's disappeared. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you, you start throwing people's names on lists and if if some of them have legitimate counters to these stories, they're going to lawyer up and come after you, which is why that one Twitter account disappeared and that list disappeared. There's a couple others floating around. But you even have accusers saying, hey, pump the brakes on these lists. I mean, you know, it's 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 a little irresponsible to be lumping everyone together. But, you know, Impact, um, I don't know if they've taken further action since Monday when I talked about it, but, you know, Dave Christ is gone. Elgin is gone. Now Elgin's weird because the statement didn't really say that they were firing him. Yeah, but he's already, removed from future programming. I think is the statement that they made. So, but he's for all intent and purpose, he's gone. I mean, I even think he thinks he's gone. Um, Joey Ryan, obviously, that that was, he's done. I mean, if, if Joey Ryan will never wrestle again, Joey Ryan is done. Um, he should be in prison. Uh, Brandon Stroud is done. You know, obviously, he, he's never going to get a platform again, and he should be in prison. I mean, there's so many stories about Brandon Stroud that it's like there's just no plausible deniability. I mean, it's just and, – and the stories are just – and remember, that stuff's been kind of floating out there, right. but never to this – I don't think any of us imagined – like, obviously, I'm here in Texas, and I know a lot of people who are friends with the guy, and he's no stranger to being a topic of conversation on this show, and – you know, we're not here to dig up petty grudges because it would be a real bad look to do that. Right. I, I do want to address that real quick because we had a lot of people being like, yeah, do it. Just, you know, say because because Brandon Trout, obviously, and we had a very public feud with him. But like in this case, when there's legit like actual victims of Brandon Trout, I don't feel right being like, yeah, we won, Joe. Like we showed him like nobody won in this case because there's yeah, I mean, terrible. There's victims that are under like dealt with just a fucking horrendous things from this guy so it's they like rape me. we fucking rape people i know i can't be like yeah we showed him joe we won the war like i'm not gonna do that because yeah there's 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 victims of his he al- crimes. Yeah. allegedly drugged and raped people right i'm not gonna high five you over right you know. yeah that that that's very poor form so no and, i know and, and, a lot of people are asking all right and, and i i get it they're coming from a a, a good place but yeah we're, we're not gonna do that show where we Say, yeah, hey, we told you, show Brandon was a weirdo, and we said it, and we won the war. Like, not when there's victims of heinous crimes, like like he perpetrated. So, yeah, no way. And him allegedly drugging and raping people is like the tip of the fucking iceberg. Oh, that's not. Him. Yeah, that's half of it. You, the fucking you, quarter I mean, of it, I should say. And, and every time I turn around, there's a new one on him. He, it's like Joey Ryan, at one point, had 16 different specific allegations, oh, and people stopped keeping track. 16 at one point. There's probably more now. I mean, Joey Ryan, basically, every woman he came into contact with, he attempted to rape or assault. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing. And, and with Stroud, 
you know, there's just more and more stories, and they're all one is more heinous than the next. These allegations, and um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and high five you because you know he got on our case for unmasking an ant. It's just not. But you know, the the, the story about him, you know, at Inspire Pro Wrestling, jacking photos off of, a, of of off of a woman's phone while she was either wrestling in a match or he was trusted to keep an eye on the phone. However, the story goes was kind of a sign that there was something going on with this right. guy. Well, we yeah, thought were... that was weird. We were like, what a weird, what a creep, what a well, bad who guy. Knew, yeah. who, <laughs> knew what the ex- who knew what the extent of it was? I mean, and like I was starting to say, I mean, I've talked to people from Austin who knew him. Now, look, I've had, I have had people, I have had friends in Texas, you know, wrestlers, whoever else, telling me for years that they knew this guy was no good. And, they stayed away from him and told people to stay away from him. But again, and I've talked to people this week from Austin who knew him and worked with him and were close with him and were friends with him, but none of them had any inkling it was that bad. You know, it, it's like it, it's similar to what Meltzer said about the people close to Joey Ryan who were like, it's like, and I know a lot of people say, well, how do you not know? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what all my friends are doing. You know, it's like, I think we all know people who we think might be a little creepy and it wouldn't necessarily shock us if it turned out that they were, you know, doing something illegal or, 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 or horrible. But like, I don't know, like rich, what if you got accused of something, you know, super heinous or, 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 or or I did. (laughs) No, but I'm saying like, how I, I don't know what you do. You know, I have no idea what you do. Right. You know, like the, like, the extent of what we talk is like we get on the show here and for five minutes before we get on and, and, and talk. You're not like, hey, Rich, what'd you do last night? Or, hey, what were you doing? Like, we don't text each other on that level. We don't know each other on that level. So, yeah, I, I honestly have no fucking clue what you do Monday through Thursday most weeks. You, you know, like, I have no idea. I, and even if, and I kind even of if assume we, what I think, you know, I know what you do, but I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. And even if we did, like, I still don't know what you do. It, what fucking like everyone has skeletons in their closet and but some of some of those skeletons are, are you're a fucking serial rapist and some of them are you know fucking mundane I, but I, I have no idea what your skeletons are you know it, how am I supposed it's like so I don't I don't know from that aspect too like I don't know if it's right to just hold people's feet to the fire because they knew somebody or they were even friends with somebody because the people I talked to had no clue the extent of the shit and believe me I've heard the whispers and, you know, about some of the things that people thought Stroud has been doing throughout the years, because I know people who know him, but none of them ever approached this stuff is what I'm trying to get right. at. Like, so, you know, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and years ago, um, you know, which, which started our lovely relationship that we have with the fine people over at Reddit, yeah, I made that, I, I mistakenly because I underestimated the power of Twitter and I made that tweet on my personal account that a big story was going to break in wrestling. And, you know, that was the Brandon Stroud phone thing with inspire. Right. And the reason I made that tweet on my personal account was because, okay, I have a wrestling account with, you know, however many followers we had, we got like 15,000 followers or whatever, where, you know, 
we talk about wrestling and wrestling news, if I had a legitimate, like, huge story, why wouldn't I have tweeted it on our wrestling account, right? That was what I was trying to say at the time. Like, I tweeted it on my personal account because it was a big – because I underestimated the power of Twitter, and I was just trying to talk – I was just trying to send a tweet out to my friends and people in Texas. You know, it was a big story in that context, right? But what I underestimated was that there were people following me who knew me from this show and as a fucking Z-list wrestling personality or whatever or, or, or pundit. And they ran with it, posted it on Twitter. But that was the big story that Brandon Stroud, who was a rising star at Uproxx, very high-profile match reviewer and all those sorts of things, involved with Inspire Pro Wrestling, was about to go down. Because of this creepy phone thing that happened because I had heard the whispers and I was like, this is about to break. I never meant for it to be. I had Dave Meltzer emailing me. What did you hear? Was it something about John Cena? <laughs> right. I remember that. Everybody was like. And, and I'm like, Dave, it's not. It's like this thing that just spiraled out of control because I, I underestimated the power of my little personal Twitter account that had like 300 followers. Rich, I had 900 followers within like an hour of the tweet and it just spiraled out of control. But, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but all I meant the big, the quote unquote big story was Brandon Stroud phone scandal with it, with inspire. Um, so at the end of the day, like, I guess my big story did come to fruition. It just took five years, but, um, that's all I meant by that. Like if I had a legitimate big wrestling story, I would have fucking tweeted it from the voices of wrestling account. Cause then people were like, Oh, He's just looking for attention. Tweeting something like <laughs> You're doing looking, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> if I was looking for attention, I would have tweeted it from the account that actually that people follow. I wouldn't have tweeted it from my little dopey account. You know, so that that never made sense either. It's just, you know, as a mistake on my part because I just underestimated you you know, I guess how people take what I say and you know, I tried to just do it on my own account. I didn't think it would get attention, but it did. But anyway, that's that's what that was all about. However, many years ago that was. But um, and I guess uh, uh, in terms of some other companies, I mean, Lagana canned. Well, well, he resigned. He resigned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from the NWA, and and that's um from a just a wrestling perspective for the NWA. Um, they've got a lot of holes to fill because he was doing everything. You know. The thing about it is, like, you can get anybody to book. Like, booking is, like, the easiest hole to fill, you know? Not saying that anyone can book well. That's definitely not the case. I think but you can, can yeah, you could just get a guy in the roster and throw him a, a notebook and say, all right, you book now. <laughs> it might suck, but he could do it. I mean, I mean Corgan could book if he yeah, wanted to. Yeah, I mean, right. it, it, anyone could book. Tim Storm could do it. You know, any vet, anybody who's been in the business a long enough time could probably do it if they needed Who? Yeah, it. whoever has a, a, you know, wants to put in the, the work that it takes – because um, it's not easy to book, you know, a show like that where you're taping six, seven, eight weeks at once, and you're laying out and you're building to a pay per view, and that's actually harder to me than booking week to week to do it all ahead of time. Like, but all of the other things that Logano was responsible for, so I think you know the NWA show is isn't is in some trouble here. I mean, yeah. they have a oh, lot. It was of as, whole- as much of a one man show as you could possibly have. I mean, Logano was literally. Filming everything, editing everything, releasing everything, posting on the Twitter, posting on the YouTube, doing, you know, like, like short of, you know, yeah, like you said, short of maybe funding it, 
it was pretty much all Lagana at that point. So that that is a hole that like I don't know that you can just say, all right, uh, you know, Storm, you know, go edit the the, the, the weekly show. And he's like, what? No, I don't know how to do that. Are you kidding? Like like yeah. that? It, it's gonna be just picking that up, just picking that up from where it was left off. I, I like honestly, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think it'll ever come back. I, I just don't. I don't know how you just pick that up. I don't know how you just one day go, okay, we're back, and just have somebody that's ready to go. I mean, all that shit is unless. I don't know. Yeah, like knowing knowing video production on on my end in my life or whatever. Like I couldn't, you know, if I left my job, I couldn't just straight up give somebody, you know, my files and go, okay, there you go. Like there, there's there's a certain, you know, art form to it. There's a certain you know way that you went about it. There's a certain like a workflow that you had. There's you know all that sort of stuff that I don't know that you could just hand it over to some person and say, okay, now you go and you do it, like you could with booking, like you said. So I I, I don't know what's gonna happen there. I don't know. If and every, and it, it'll all change too because his fingerprints were on everything. I mean, he was the driving force behind everything the 10 pounds of gold, the yeah. TV show, the video production. I know they have other people involved, like Josephus does some things. I mean, I think Josephus, if I recall, is, is very much involved in sort of the, um, the spoof television commercials and things like that, um, which kind of matches brain if you think about it because yeah. he's kind of an out there guy and those things are kind of zany. So, I mean, there's other people there that, you know, part of their office or whatever but that you know that it tricky for them to recover and it's almost like now the covid almost works in their favor a little because they have time to figure it out and put new people in charge of new things and and whatnot and lagana did defend himself he put out a statement look all of these people have a right to defend themselves right and then you have a right to tell them to you you have the right to continue to tell them to fuck off but if you so choose, but they all have a right to defend themselves. That that's one thing, you know, and, and some have done better jobs than others. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the Mike Quackenbush 13 minute video. Oh, Jesus um, Perfectly I mean, Quackenbush. I could say like, I, I expected nothing less from uh, an absolute psychopath, like, like Mike Quackenbush. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, the you know, and cuts. I guess you're doing cuts. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but he's a fucking psychopath, so I'm not surprised. I mean, it's exactly what I expected a Mike Quackenbush apology video to look like. So, I mean, he's a worker. He's always going to be a worker. Years ago, I was doing research for a big Mike Quackenbush piece, and we never pulled the trigger on it because people wouldn't put their names on things, and I couldn't get things double sourced. And it's like, who are we? We have this dopey little website. Do we really want to incur the wrath of lawyers? And it's not worth it, right? So it's like. Yeah, I had to be careful. I dip my toes in like real journalism and we just aren't in a position to, uh, you know, there, there's much bigger websites than us that stay away from stories because they're just afraid of litigation or whatever the case may be. And it's it was weird because reading a lot of the accusations against Chikara and against Quackenbush last week, like I know where they came from because I I communicated with these people and they shared their stories with me years ago. And it's like, I just, we had to sit on a yeah, lot of it. And people, people and, don't understand how it works in, in, in especially any, really any form of journalism in, in, in a case. Like if you're the Washington post or whatever, before you do a story or before you even start exploring a story, that's even in this realm of like, hey, this person did criminal stuff or this person did this or whatever. You have a team of people, uh, the legal team or whatever. We, we don't have a fucking legal team. You know what I mean? We have like 10 yeah, lawyers I, that write for us, but not enough to say, hey, uh, if shit goes down, are you going to like, you know, you're going to defend us? They're probably like, no, get out of here. Like, just don't do it. And like, we're not in that position to say, you know what, Joe? Fuck it. Let's do it. We need to report this. We need to do this. 
without knowing that like it could fucking financially sink you and I because it's like you know I I don't want to get into that I really don't like and and you tried your best like you really did you got as far as you could before it was like all right look do I do I really want to swim in, in 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 this pond do I really want to to incur this sort of wrath or whatever and and like you said there's bigger websites than us that still don't even try to do that just because unless you have that backing unless you really truly can afford it or 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 you know you have legal backing or you have all that sort of stuff you just can't go out there and throw stuff out without really 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 having that 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 you know that stabilization of 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 you know a, a legal team or a lawyer or whatever so well, well david bixenspan talks about this all the time he said you know with deadspin he had the security and the knowledge that he'd have backup if sh- if, if shit was going to hit the fan you know and like you're saying stories being vetted and whatnot and it's like it's harder to write things independently or freelance or for your own websites when you don't have that insurance you know backing you up or a legal team backing you up or people who know what they're talking about reading through your work and saying you can say this but you can't say this you can't include this where did you get this who told you this so you know this is a problem well not a problem but this is just a process that's way above our heads Mm -hmm. and affects sites way bigger than ours but so a lot of the quackenbush stuff and this isn't just us patting ourselves on the back a lot of his stuff was known too and in his case i don't think it's like I don't think people are viewing him as a monster in the same light as like a Joey Ryan, but certainly his reputation and the carefully crafted sort of persona that he's built for himself and his company were completely shattered. Right, right. That, I, I don't put him on the heinous level that like Joey Ryan and, and, and Brandon Stroud were. I do put him on the, the manipulative psychopath, you know, and those are different, right. I think. I don't think he's a heinous person, but I think he's a very calculated person he's a very you know yeah his evil ish you know what i mean like not not to the same extent of like that guy needs to be behind bars but just like my god look at how long this man you know kind of tricked people worked with people groomed people manipulated people that sort of stuff you know whatever term you want to use for that that's where i kind of put quackenbush versus like you know your joey ryan's and 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 brandon strouds and whatnot so yeah and i just think his his personality was so carefully crafted too like his whole persona and I think that was all, you know, and, and, and it fooled a lot of people. And, you know, we we have running bits about Chikara and, and you know, we had that piece we were going to do and, and we've, we, we kind of stopped. We, we were at one time covering Chikara and I think both of us at different points in time were Chikara fans. And the promotion just drifted away from what we like in pro wrestling. But it's like, with all of that said, I do genuinely feel bad for Chikara fans because that was a carefully crafted world that was a lot different than anything else in wrestling with very intricate storylines and a lot of emotional buy-in right oh you were you when you were a chikara fan you were invested in every aspect of chikara every person that worked through chikara every wrestler every person that that did anything in the company you you, the ethos of of chikara you bought into that's because you had to. That was the point of the, the like, we can say all the time, you know, we like, you know, Evolve or whatever. We like Gabe Sapolsky, but we like because of his booking. Like, nothing against Gabe, but, like, I'm not going to jump off a fucking cliff if Gabe tells me to. But, like, Chikara fans, that what you had to buy in 100%. You had to buy into Mike Quackenbush's vision for pro wrestling. 
and, and the art form yeah. of pro wrestling and the art form that Chikara offered. And yeah, you were you had to be all invested in in the seasons. It was a, a a television show more so than you know what I mean. Like they they did seasons. They had season finales. They had season premieres. They had you know that sort of stuff. So it it was a different animal in that sense. And yeah, you had to buy in one hundred percent if you were going to be a Chikara fan. You had to invest in every aspect of Chikara. And invest in what it was, what it was speaking about, and what it was doing, and and how it represented people, and how it represented wrestling. Like it wasn't just a company that you could say, "Hey, yeah, Chikara is cool." Like I, I try to do that, but you really, those, those fans that you're talking about, those deep Chikara fans, they were invested in every single aspect of that entire company. And just with the intricate storytelling and um, very detail oriented, and everything matters, and and you know, again, a lot of emotional buy-in, and like you're saying, sort of the um a, a promotion that was cr- carefully crafted for a different kind of fan and it's just and I do feel bad for those fans to some extent because we take it for granted because we're so we're so inside with all a lot of this stuff and sometimes you know a lot of people just buy tickets to wrestling shows and don't think about wrestling again until they buy a ticket to their next wrestling show and I do think that there are probably a lot of Chikara fans who had no idea that there were quiet whispers about the cult-like atmosphere and about Mike Quackenbush and and all of that because they just, you know, they watched their, uh, you know, uh, YouTube videos and they and they bought tickets to their shows and they followed the storylines and that was the extent of their of their of their fanhood, you know, and it's and and, and, and yeah, there were probably a lot of Chikara fans who were deep into the weeds like us and. And, and suspected that this day could come. Rich, we knew this day was coming. We always knew this day was coming. It was just a matter of when. You know, and this and last week was just the perfect storm for everything to come out. But, you know, Chikara is now dead. And Mike Quackenbush has removed himself as the coach of the uh, what, Wrestle Factory. What does he call his school? I, um, Not I Ford, I guess. Who cares? But, yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing about Quackenbush, and again, this is not a Joe Lanza value judgment. I don't think he's done in wrestling. I get the vibe there will be a Mike Quackenbush return in some form. I just I see the reaction to his apology, and while a lot of people are completely shitting on it, um, for like you're saying, like he did a 13 minute apology that was that was basically shot and edited like like a YouTube fucking roast video with jump cuts and just weird. You know, and, and he's using his uh, promo voice. And, man, if you're going to apologize on – just sit down Be in front of a fucking human being for two seconds. But I don't think yeah. he is. Like, I, he, He's one of those you – know, it happens all the time in, in, in entertainment or whatever. Like, I don't know if Mike Quackenbush knows who the real Mike – I don't know if there is a real Mike Quackenbush. You know what I mean? Like, that, I think he, – he, he's, he's, he's using his how we make it voice. Right, right. Inflection. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I don't know, man. But there's a lot of people who thought he came off very sincere and copped to everything and took ownership. Um, and and I just – I don't know. I don't know, man. I have a feeling he survives. I think due to uh, the level of allegations towards other people sort of making his look small in comparison and the fact that I think a lot of people bought into his apology – and the fact that he's got, you know, despite the shattered rep, see, I don't think he'll ever be the bastion of 
of woke wrestling hood that he no, was that's before. probably done. That's probably that's over. Should be. That's Hopefully. over forever. <laughs> hope, yeah. yeah, that's done forever because he's broken that. Look, none of us bought it to begin with, and the people who did no longer buy it and trust it. So that's over. You know, he if he does something moving forward in wrestling, he can't be the the bastion of of the good fans. You know, he can't be that anymore because uh, those fans don't don't no longer trust him. And quite honestly, those fans don't trust anybody in wrestling. Anymore. I think this ends that for wrestling for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, between David Starr and Mike Quackenbush, who, you know, a lot of people were side eyeing the two of them anyway. But for the people who bought into both of their rhetorics, I mean, the you know, there's a lot of people who are going to be done with wrestling, period. And there's a lot of people who are never going to trust wrestlers for a very long time when it comes to those sorts of issues. Yeah, and, 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 and sorry, I'll, I'll finish your point, and then I had one thing real quick. And, Joey, and I was just going to say Joey Ryan to a small extent, too. But I, but Joey Ryan, I think nobody bought his woke routine. I mean, I think we all realized a guy who has you know gotten over by having people touch his dick is being a little disingenuous when it comes to, you know, I am I am you know a bastion of uh, of of uh, you know quality progressive behavior right. i think you'd anyway. be surprised at how many people actually thought that that was <laughs> good you know what i mean like because because it was so intergender too and and it's kind of the same stuff we always like you know again people that listen to this show you and i i don't think we ever thought that joey ryan having a bunch of women wrestlers grab his dick every day was like good but you know i, I think you're underestimating how many people thought that you know that show progression right. or whatever, but yeah. uh, the the one thing you mentioned, like the, the, you know the the wrestling fans, the you know the oh my god, you know this person's you know I I, I you know that person's woke or that person does it right or that sort of stuff. Those fans being gone and, and and maybe never coming back is definitely one thing. You had mentioned this. I don't know if you actually said it on on, on Twitter or if you said it during your Monday uh, news recap, but I think what one of the big things that's going to come out of this, and I think it's probably ultimately a good thing that comes out of this awful, awful week and this, all this horrible activity and horrible behavior by everybody is, and it's something we've talked about for a long time too, the relationship of fans and wrestlers for a long time. And I know a lot of the, I know a lot of the accusations are, you know, trainer to, 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 to student or, or a wrestler to, you know, authority figure, that sort of stuff. But there is a lot of like fan to wrestler stuff in here as well. And like some of that aspect of the fan to wrestler stuff is never going to go away. That is as old as, as wrestling has ever been is, is, is wrestlers. right. Wrestlers are going to, you know, uh, be attracted to fans. Fans are going to be attracted to wrestlers. That is always going to be an aspect of pro wrestling. There is nothing you're going to be able to do to shut that down in any, that's an aspect field, of entertainment. Yeah. yeah uh, sports, uh, concerts, music, uh, anything. The fans are going to want to, you know, engage cool. in activities with the, uh, the performers and the performers are going to be more than willing to oblige with that uh, it, it, on certain levels. That is never going away. But as and, you... and listen, oh, and, and, and very quickly, not to cut you off, but if you're a single man and they're a single woman and you're engaging in consensual acts after the game or the show or the event or whatever, there's nothing wrong with that either. And I don't think you're saying that there is, but I just wanted to make that clear before people, you know, right, uh, right, clip right. your audio and try to make you out like a monster. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But but I think one aspect that you've always talked about is the, the relationship of, Oh, we're friends with the wrestlers. You know, people on Twitter yeah. are, are we're friends with the wrestlers, or you know, the wrestler comes out after the show and he's hanging out with the fans and doing that sort of stuff. And we're, you know, we're buddy buddy, or yeah, I'm fr-. like that. I do wonder if maybe wrestlers are going to think twice about that. If fans should maybe think twice about that, and and maybe we go back to an aspect where you're still going to have your post show. This guy, that girl, this this woman, that guy. You know what I mean? Like that stuff is always going to be there. But I do wonder if the we're buddy buddy, we're on the same level. 
I'm playing this character, you're my fan, like, let, let's hang out, let's... I do wonder if that sorts, starts to get broken down a little bit, where wrestlers maybe say, you know what, nah, I don't want to get involved with, you know, people after the show, I don't want to go to a post-show bar, I don't want to do that sort of stuff, and, and maybe fans say, you know what, no, these guys, they're fucking wrestlers, but they're not my friend, you know, I'll come and watch them perform their art, but I don't really want to hang out with them after the show, because I frankly don't trust them, and... I, I do wonder if we start to see that a little bit more because over the last few years and, and Twitter and social media has caused a lot of that as well, where those, those barriers have been broken down and wrestlers and fans have become sort of one. We're all in this together type thing. And I do wonder if it goes back to you're paying a ticket to see me perform and that's it. That's where our relationship ends is you pay your $20, you sit down, you cheer, you boo, you do whatever, and then you're done and I'm done and that's it. That's the extent of our relationship. Uh, listen, you and I have talked about merch table culture for how many years now? And we've approached it from the aspect of it, without question, lessens the star power of these wrestlers. Merch table. And when I talk about merch table culture, I'm talking about 30 seconds after your match, you're wearing basketball shorts and you're at the table selling your T-shirts. And I get that that's a huge chunk of their income. I understand that. And this is why, Rich, we said – we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube with this, right? Because merch has become such a big chunk of what these wrestlers are making. Right. And in a lot of cases, wrestlers will take bookings well under value because they know in a particular promotion they're going to sell a lot of T-shirts. And But I do. we have always approached it from, well, it, it makes these guys come across as less of a star, you know, on the indie level because – we go back to the days of ROH. I go all the way back to ECW in terms of live shows. And, Rich, how many times did you see Samoa Joe mingling with fans in an ROH show? Yeah, how many times? Literally zero, yeah. No. The answer is zero. How many times did you see Brian Danielson mingling around with fans zero. at, at yeah, an ROH? Never. I mean, it just wasn't – merch table culture didn't exist then. And the stars understood how to remain stars was the first time you saw Brian Danielson at an ROH show is when – you know, final countdown hit for the main event. That's the first time you laid eyes on him. I mean, and you know, this doesn't have anything to do with speaking out, but we've we've ha- we've talked about this a million times. A merch table culture has killed star power on the indie scene, but what it has done is it has enhanced this idea that you're friends with the wrestler because yeah, they're going to chat you up at the table, and I'm not saying they're always disingenuous. There's a lot of friendly yeah, oh sure, wrestlers out there who are good guys, you know, who who love talking to the fans and. But as we now know, there were also many predators who were grooming fans. Well, we're using that, that merch table as a way to, to get you into their whatever, yeah. their sphere, and, whatever you want to say. You know. And people are going to say we're victim blaming, and, and we're not. And you can say that all you want, but you're wrong. But it's like merch table culture has perpetuated a lot of this. And, I, and, and after party culture, why are you – I mean after parties have got to go. They've got to go at least for a little while in light of all of this. I mean, you've got promotions charging fans money to attend parties with wrestlers after shows, in some cases charging money so that these fans can go to these parties and then, you know, these wrestlers can all attempt to fuck them. That's what's going on at these after parties in a lot of cases. And listen, after last week, you can't tell me I'm wrong. I have the high ground right now. Maybe in a month I won't, maybe in six months, a year. But right now I have the high ground in this discussion. That's what these after parties were, especially a lot of the ones in, in, in Europe, as we now know. These were orchestrated events so the wrestlers could attempt to fuck women, and in some cases women that were minors. 
as little as 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 you know as young as 16 mm-hmm. which i get some of the local laws it wasn't technically illegal okay but if you're a 35 year old man fucking a 16 year old legal or illegal we i have an issue there and 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 in a lot of cases that's what these after parties were and and look you know i talked to someone who i consider a friend who lives in europe who was saying look it's not the same as the united states a lot of these indie shows and these promotions we all live in the same town and we're all the same age and it's just different because you know you work with these people you went to school with them you you know the show's over you you go to the after party and then you see them around town and it's just closer knit it's not like in the united states where it's so spread out and 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 you know we have to understand that too the culture is a little different there but i do think that we've got to pump the brakes on the after but look i have no problem with after parties after wrestling shows how about just with the wrestlers and the crew why are fans at these things to begin with right and especially now okay i i think it's a bad look am i pearl clutching a little maybe i don't know that's for the listener to decide but if i'm running an indie promotion i could tell you that there are going to be no more promotion sponsored after parties with my shows ever right. again yeah if, that, if my crew if, if what i'm doing is my crew and 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 the wrestlers want to go to a bar cool i'm calling that bar and saying hey our guys are coming shut down the back room for my crew you know what i mean like let's i'm not re- even I'm, I'm telling you right now me i'm if i'm running an indie promotion after parties are dead after in light of what's been going on at least for the time being they're just they're dead you know they're just got and i'm gonna tell you another thing i do if i'm running an indie promotion main events over bell rings Every fan is to be escorted out of the building before a single wrestler comes out from the back. Because that mingling around after the show and, and, and that shit has just got to stop now for a while. And, you know, and, and it's just – and if you're a wrestler, get the fuck out of fans' DMs. Stop. Yeah, right. Just stop. What are you doing? Okay? It's just it, – this it, and, and this – I call it merch table culture. It has to stop. Because it has clearly spiraled out of control, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, you we I don't trust the wrestling business anymore when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, and that's uh, one thing I do want because I, I I did see you taking some flack on on Twitter last week too when you were talking about why are we still training minors in wrestling and and, and some people took that as you saying it's the minors' fault for you know getting no uh, yeah and that's such horseshit. Uh, what, what, what it's obviously clear to all of us that the solution is to stop raping people. <laughs> yes, of course, nobody is arguing that. Of course, but that is such a, 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 a just a basic boilerplate thing it's to such say. Surface level yeah. shit. Stop raping know. children. Yeah, no fucking shit. Of course, that's the yeah. easy way to solve this issue. Of course, if I say if I say maybe we shouldn't. Uh, book minors anymore and your comeback is well maybe we should get rid of the abusers you're saying nothing yes don't you realize that you're saying nothing that's an empty sentiment it's just an empty platitude that means nothing because we all agree that we need to get rid of the abusers it means nothing what you're saying you're saying words that that equal zero when you say that we all that's the baseline that does that shouldn't need to be said Every time we try to come up with a solution for this stuff, we shouldn't have to preface it with, well, we need to get rid of the abusers, but we can also – no, we all agree we need to get rid of the abusers. 
that's baseline, like Rich just said. So yeah, and I will not back down from that stance. No, and, and I think that's I think you're, you're, I think you're 100 right on that, that that too. And I was I think Jordan Grace was one that that talked about it, and she had obviously been a, a, a you know Vita Scott. Yeah, Vita oh, they, Scott yeah. So there there were quite Myers. a few that that backed you up. I know Dan Barry was actually an interesting conversation. He initially started to kind of argue, but you know to to his credit, started to listen a little bit and said, oh, you know, ultimately I I, I do agree. You know, like Can I talk and, about that for yeah, yeah, for go ahead because that was actually I, I, I enjoyed I that. That was a nice conversation. So. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. Yeah, no, that's fine. Anyway. No, it's, 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 we're, this is an interesting conversation. This is, you know, it's just flowing every, here. Every person who came at me for saying that maybe minors don't belong in pro wrestling until there's some fucking regulations. Until the and wrestling overstep. can actually fucking regulate itself. You know, because I, wrestling cannot has proven that it cannot <laughs> yeah, regulate we can, Wrestling can't handle it anymore, so now we need to do something else about it. So Anyone who came at me for that with the victim blaming stuff or, or, or the critique or you're taking away children's dreams or whatever the fuck, like I give a fuck about that. Okay? If you're 16 years old and your dream is to be a pro wrestler, it's not going to kill you to wait 14 months. Okay? It, it really isn't. Okay? And, and it, it, they've proven I can't. But the point here is anyone who's come at me with that who then – Rich, how many times did I say, hey, listen, you're coming at me. How about we have a conversation? And then when I talk to these people – and we had a series of tweets. We all came to the – we're all on the same side here, you know? And the Dan Barry conversation was, was a perfect example of that. He came at me guns blazing because we're all tense right now. We hate what's going on. But then we exchanged some ideas, and at the end of the day, we were in agreement. You know, and it's like we're all on the same side. We got to do something here. It can't just be the status quo. You know, I won every single person over who challenged me on that to some level. Maybe they were still iffy on the idea of completely keeping the, the minors out, but they at least saw where I was coming from, and it's from a good place. Okay, Where else, with no oversight and regulation, can children just commingle with adults in this sort of environment? It doesn't exist, Rich. People were just making such horrible examples. Oh, well, then why let kids play sports? Well, here's the thing. Kids play sports with people their own age and people their own sex. It's not co-ed. You're, you're, you're eight. You're, you're fuck. All right, eight, eight is out there. But your 15-year-old daughter doesn't play soccer with a 37-year-old man. That's the difference in an unregulated environment where, and, and, and where they're being physical with each other on top of everything else. Let's put abuse aside. Let's put sexual abuse aside. Why are children taking bumps at 15, 16 years old and getting concussions? Low-grade concussions, which we know they're getting from pro wrestling, from taking bumps. This is your topic, Rich. You've been talking about oh, it yeah, for years. Absolutely. More dangerous than the, than the full-on concussions are these repeated low-grade. Why are we doing that to not to unfully formed fucking brains and bodies to begin with outside of abuse? What other sport or activity? And I'm sure some will come up. But how many other sports or activities are there where it's a completely unregulated environment that we're sending our children into with adults? Okay, there's child labor laws for a reason. Do those do child labor laws intersect with wrestling in any way, shape, or form? Can I book a 16 year old on a pro wrestling show tomorrow and hold that show at 10 o'clock at night and put that kid in the semi main event at 12:30? Who's this, who can stop me from doing that? In a locker room full of sexual predators, being trained by God knows who, who has no accreditation or uh, no background check. Anyone could be a wrestling trainer as it stands now. I've been wrestling for six years, and I'm a fucking creep, and I've got gigabytes of kitty porn on my computer. I can go be a wrestling. No one's going to stop me. 
Yeah, there's one that's still doing it. I just got an email from uh, from him yesterday. So uh, down it, in it's uh, like... Florida, <laughs> good old friend that still survives everything and, and keeps on going on. And yeah, it, it, at least he's known. You're talking about Chase and Rand. Yeah, right, right. Who hasn't stopped at all? It's like yeah, this guy's a fucking creep, and he's like, yeah, all right, you know cool. What? You know what though? With Rance, at least he's known. And he's and and his shit is on like public record. And if you send your kid there like Izzy, you're a fucking psychopath, okay? But at least you know what you're getting into. There's hundreds of other scenarios where no one knows what they're getting into. Right. How can we just let anyone train pro wrestlers with no certification, no oversight, no regulations? And then, oh by the way, people telling me it's okay to keep sending kids there. Are you fucking out of your minds? Until there's oversight and regulation, shut down the minors. No training, no booking. It isn't going to kill these kids to wait till they're adults. And then, look, we got to draw a line somewhere. You want to make a decision once you're legally an adult? I, I'm, I am not going to step in and stop you. But isn't it our job as a society to protect our most vulnerable? To protect children from making bad choices? Isn't that our job? Am I, am I really this wildly off base on this? I mean, it's just, you know, especially after what we saw last week, and you're still going to advocate and say that... It, it, right, you still have that, faith that these these older men are going to be able to be handling minors and have no issue whatsoever. And that's the thing where, where, where you know, yes, we all agree that the, the best thing to happen was be the abusers stop abusing, of course. Or the abusers go away and they never come back. Yes. But that is probably a lot harder than we think it is because there are still hundreds of people that have not been named, hundreds of people that are ready to, you know, like that. that is almost going to be a never-ending cycle. But if we stop giving them easy access to minors, there's a good chance that we'll hopefully start soon weeding them out and then the abusers won't come. And they just don't have the easy access to abuse. You know what I mean? Like, And, and it sucks. Like, it sucks that they're probably, like you said, the, the, there are dreams that will be dashed or whatever but you know what let's wait two fucking years for your dream to start because like i i'm with you i don't trust the wrestling business anymore if i had a 16 year old kid i'd say fuck no you're not going to a training school with some 38 year old dude that i know nothing about you're not like just straight up you're not going to do that so it's you know it it it, it, it happens in all walks of life too it, it, similar with the catholic church like yeah it'd be great if priests stopped raping you know halter boys but that didn't happen, and it wasn't going to happen overnight. And and it's taken quite a while for that to even start weeding itself out. But what it needed first was was you know oversight rules, you know looks, you know uh, investigations, that sort of stuff. And that's where we're at right now. But the easiest thing we can do right now in 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 the short term is say, okay, look, let's not give these act- fucking predators access to fifteen and sixteen year olds, you know, while they're still you know growing and developing and all that sort of stuff. We take that access away, and then we'll we'll work on the other steps too. What the speaking out was a great. Start a great start to the whole movement. Let's go one step further, and then we'll keep going and keep going and keep going, and then hopefully, in due time, we can start trusting this wrestling business again. Because right now, you can't fucking trust it. Anybody who still still trusts the wrestling business, oh, it's okay. I'll I'll send my fifteen year old daughter to go get trained by some guy. Like, dude, you're you're I I don't know what to say. I guess you're a better man than I because I don't fucking trust anybody anymore in wrestling. So, and that's not to say that there aren't good schools and there aren't good trainers and there aren't schools that do it the right way and do have the proper insurance. What, what are wrestling schools required? See, that's the thing. There's no oversight. Dude, I don't no think there's literally, I, I don't know about most there's schools, nothing. but there's really, I mean, email the guy, here's where you show up. Here's how you pay me. That's as far as I know about, you know, training at a wrestling school, at least the ones and, that and I'm look, aware and, of. And that's not saying that some of them don't take steps that they're not legally required to take to make sure that they're doing a good job. I don't want to throw all of them under the bus. You know what I mean? It's like 
At the same time, I don't want to throw out some names of ones that I think are good because there's stories coming out every day and I don't want to get burned. That That's where we're at here. But it's like, you know, until you can tell me that every wrestling school is required to have insurance, is required to have accreditations for the trainers, is required to have background checks for the trainers, is required to have special classes segregated for minors, is required to have female trainers for female wrestlers, is required to have uh, some kind of government oversight and check-ins and safety checks and building temperatures and is requ- and, and just basically is just be- have the same requirements as any other business that's going to be handling minors – I am perfectly okay with standing behind my stance that minors have no business in wrestling. And until you can come back to me and tell me and give me a good reason why minors need to be involved in wrestling, you can call me a victim blamer all you want. It's not going to affect me at all. Tell me why my minors need to be involved in pro wrestling. Why? Why is there a need? Why must minors be involved in this? There's no no one has been able to successfully answer right. that question. Especially after when I this week, them. after this week and the, the heinous stories out there about you know so many people that regulate it, yeah. have real oversight, real accreditations, real, and then I'm okay with it. Yeah, get, and and you know who should really be the, the good ones, the good trainers, the good schools, whatever. Those should be the ones at the top of the list saying, you know what we're going to do, we're going to do this, we're going to set the standards yeah. for what we're going to do, and 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 yeah, then I would start tr- trusting you know, the business a little bit more if those ones come out there and, and say that. But yeah, like you're saying, the people, I, I cannot, after reading that last week of like, no, it's fine. Like, yeah, it, dude, what are you, how could and you I trust can, anybody after this week? How? And I can tell you, even if all of that is done and we're, and we're training minors in at least some kind of regulated environment, because nothing will stop abuse, but you can at least attempt to mitigate it. Right. I am still, I still advocate not booking people until they're 18. I don't think people should be wrestling. I don't think children should be wrestling on on pro wrestling shows. Again, maybe I'm pearl clutching here. Maybe uh, you know you disagree. I wh- why 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 what is why should minors wrestle? Give me a good reason why minors belong in a pro wrestling locker room, an independent wrestling pro locker room, with what we know goes on in there now after the last week. Why? What's the reason that this has to be a thing? Why can't they wait till they're an adult? And if you really want me to go crazy, you want me to really go crazy, Rich? Yeah, go ahead. Fuck it. Do it live. You know, if if you're going to train under the age of 21, you should show some sort of proof that you're pursuing some other form of education. You're either still in high school or you're going to college or you're going to a trade school or you have some – because wrestling cannot be your number one plan. It cannot be your number one plan. I would even throw something like that in there. And maybe that's going too far. But after last week, I don't think anything's going too far. I don't like the idea of a 17-year-old waltzing into a wrestling school with stars in their eyes thinking they're going to be wrestling The Rock at WrestleMania. I don't like that idea. Okay? If I'm a wrestling trainer, I'm going to say, you're still in school? No. Well, then come back to me when you're in school. Come back to me when you're pursuing a GED or you're back in high school or you're out of college or you're out of trade school. I'm not touching you until you're 21 unless you're pursuing something else. I would even take it that far. I don't even think that's a crazy idea. In light of all of this, again, we have the high ground now after last week. The pro wrestling business does not have the high ground in any of these debates after what we just saw. So that's why I will not back down on my stance 
that minors do not belong in wrestling until there is real regulation and oversight. And you can paint me as a bad person for that. That's fine. I'm, I'm not backing down I, I, because I don't think that stance is uh, is a is, is is a ridiculous one. <clears throat> I'm fired up. I'm standing up. Yeah, that's jeez. And, and look, if, and if I like you just said, if you are a decent trainer with a decent school, flash that shit. Yeah, on now's the time to puff your you chest have, out. Yeah, to go. Say, I, we have female trainers. We have specific training classes for minors where minors do not intermingle. Children do not intermingle with adults. We have insurance that we can prove and, and we have accreditations and uh, we give all of our trainers background checks and, and we have a safety record of, of X amount of injuries and X amount of years. And how about we broadcast that if you're a, if you're a good trainer with a good school instead of, hey, we have a guy who's wrestling on Impact Wrestling right now. Or, you know, uh, have you heard of so-and-so who's working for New Japan? Stop broadcasting, you know, people who have come through your school who are on TV right now and instead broadcast why your school is different from the fucking cesspools that we had to hear about last week. How about that? For the ones that are doing it the right way. (sighs) Anything else you got? I don't even think we named half the people that have actually been. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's the worst part. Yeah, I, I, anybody that can trust the business on this week, you know, more power to you. But I don't know. Like I don't you... even think we we're planning on talking about this. And it's like you, you almost it's like you have to address these things. But it's like it's like with the thing with the victim blaming, it's like you're afraid almost to approach some of these topics because people just everyone's on edge right now. And we all just assume the worst. And that's what Dan Barry said to, said to me, too, at one point. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, hey, look, maybe I was aggressive because we're all fucking pissed off. And yeah, maybe sucks. we need Yeah, it's fucking garbage. It's terrible. And maybe we need to stop yelling at each other and listen to each other like we just did. That was the gist of what he said in his tweet. And I agree, you know, and at that point we came to an understanding. I wasn't even angry at him. Like, I was annoyed that he quote tweeted me and tried to show me up. I mean, that part of it annoyed me. But I took a deep breath and I just tried to have a conversation with the guy. And and he wasn't – you know, I'm not mad. I wasn't mad at him once we talked. It's like – because you realize you're coming from the same place. And it, someone like him who does train wrestlers, I'm sure, is a little bit of defensiveness there. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And that's natural because he's, he's reading this and he's like, well, why the fuck can't I tra- – like I'm a good guy and I fucking train kids all the time. And what – I understand that too. Like there's – it was a rough week for everyone in wrestling, in particular the wrestlers who who do keep their hands clean and do keep their nose clean and do do things the right way. And and um, and I'm sure there's a level of defensiveness there. But again, like you noted, there were plenty of wrestlers who agreed with me, whether it was Veda Scott or Jordan Grace or, or there were others, too, that were like, from our life experience, minors don't belong anywhere near pro wrestling. And it's like and, – and it's just – I don't know. I it just I I just feel like there needs to be oversight and regulation before they are. I'm not completely against the idea, but not in this environment. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. At the end of the day, we just want to be able to trust wrestling again and actually, you know, think that what we're seeing is is I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the right way to describe it, but yeah, it, it it was a tough week. It was a week where you definitely just like have to look yourself in the mirror. And like you said, people like like the people that are doing it right, they need to be the loudest voices right now. They now have the high ground to say, look. 
here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to change. Here, you know, this is the week for, for great change. And like you said, just, just putting out platitudes of, hey, stop abusing. That does nothing. That moves nothing forward. It's just a way to get likes on a tweet. But, like, now's it's, the week it's... and now's the time for real action and, and, and real movement. So How about get rid of the abusers? You know what that is? Yeah, That's it's a social... thousand likes on social media. It doesn't mean yeah. fucking shit because the abusers That's... aren't going to go – Gosh darn it, you're right. I'm going to stop abusing children because that person tweeted it and they got a thousand likes. God, you know, as much as I would love to continue abusing, I'm just not going to do it anymore because that tweet got a lot of likes. Thank you for for telling me I shouldn't. Yeah. Hey, criminals, stop being criminals. Okay. All right. (laughs) Got it. Uh, You you figured it out. (laughs) Uh, You've solved the the puzzle. We need to get rid of the abusers. Every abuser goes, ah, damn it. (laughs) We've been found out. No. Well, well, that's it for me. I guess I can't abuse anymore because you've tweeted that we should stop abusing. So I'm done. I'm not going to abuse. Yeah. You got (laughs) to action, action. It's typical social media. Um, uh, what was I? I, I lost my uh, train of thought. But people say it all the time. It's just, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just empty platitudes. You know, like you're saying, it's it's social media activism. That's the term. That's what it is. It's just, you know, you throw out some tweets and you sit back and crack your knuckles and you you, you wait to see how many likes you get. But it doesn't doesn't mean anything. It's a clap tweet. Saying get rid of the abusers is a clap tweet. That's what it is. Rich knows all about the clap tweets. Oh, you love those clap, clap tweets. tweets. Oh, I love them, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess we should talk about some actual wrestling at some point yeah, on the let, show. Let, huh? Let's do that. Let's jump into uh, – we were going to jump into the New Japan Cup uh, here right now. And I have I've not seen the uh, matches from this morning, uh, July 3rd. The semifinals happened. Uh, it was Okada and Hiromu and Evil versus Sonata. I have not seen those. You have, so we'll talk about those a little bit. I should mention as well, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. Also, patreon.com slash voiceofwrestling. Uh, you're doing daily uh, New Japan Cup audio as well, reviewing the show. So if you want to, uh, as quickly, I mean, those are getting up pretty quickly after the shows uh, as well. So a great way to uh, you know keep up, get your recommendations, figure out what you know what, what you think of the tournament so far. Uh, so I'm not going to like, we're not going to go match by match or, 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 or show by show or whatever, because obviously you can you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash voiceofwrestling. But uh, overall thoughts on, on New Japan's empty arena uh, New Japan Cup so far, as as we're now done with the empty arena stuff for now, I guess, because uh, New Japan uh, going to Osaka uh, starting next weekend, and and we'll have fans half or a quarter or no, it's a third, right? A third filled Osaka Joe Hall or whatever. But um, uh, what do you 3, think? 000, about three thousand, yeah, fans. somewhere in that range. But what, you know, hopefully uh, this is it for empty arena. Got you know, fingers crossed. But uh, what do you think of of uh, New Japan's empty arena shows so far? I think that. Um... Well, first of all, uh, can I do a quick programming? Oh, note? absolutely. I think I'm going to do. We're, we're just going to talk about the semifinals here. I'm not going to do a paywall show, so um, I, I think it'd be redundant. I mean, to talk about to review the matches twice. So, um, is that okay with you? I yeah, think that's absolutely. Can... Yeah, I haven't seen them yet, so I can't. So, I can't really contribute much. But uh, yeah, that's I just fine. Feel, I don't want. I don't want to do the same thing twice. You know. So, and I, and, and I don't think we can we should just blow it off either here. So, cause how are we supposed to talk about what's coming up if we can't talk about what happens? So, um, I know I told everybody I would do paywall shows through the semifinals, basically through all of the empty arena, but I'm going to waive that. Um, we'll just do it here and, um, and, and talk to semifinals, but overall thoughts. I mean, uh, look, I- I'm really starting to struggle with the empty, with the empty building. I'm done. And I'm, I- done. <laughs> I'm tapping out. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I know you've been away and I don't, I, you know, I don't know if you're sitting there, uh, you know, refreshing your Patreon feed to listen to me babble about these matches every night. So I don't know if you've heard my thoughts about, um, 
the New Japan empty arena, but I haven't been a fan of it. I think it's kind of lifeless. Um, I don't think it's been as bad as Noah um, because they've kept the matches a, a more reasonable length. And I think that the announcer enthusiasm has been better. But I don't think it's been on the level of, you know, all Japan or definitely not AEW or or tri- I thought AAA did a really nice job, too. Um, I forgot. What did you think of AAA's empty? Oh, I stuff? loved it. Yeah, I thought they were yeah. fucking great. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. So, I, I thought they, I, I put them right in. I don't know where my exact rankings are, but they're definitely in, in, in at least the top five or top three. It's like AAA, uh, All Japan, AEW. I think are my 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 three favorites. And then, like you said, by by just uh, pure attrition, like you know your zero ones and your other, just because this is like no different. <laughs> you know, yeah. like when you talk about the the difference of having fans and no fans. Eh, you know, two AW is kind of like ah, whatever. <laughs> like I don't. It wasn't like a good presentation, but it wasn't any worse than their normal presentation. So, but in terms of like people that usually have fans, uh, I think AAA. Um, all Japan and, and AEW are my top three, and, and and yeah, I think I think New Japan's just slightly out of there. Like, I don't think I hate it as much as you do, but it's it's certainly not in the top half for for, for sure. No, it, I don't put it in the bottom of the barrel either. Like, I really hate like Noah is oh. difficult to watch, and it's because the matches are like thirty minutes long. It's just too much, and I think WWE has been bottom of the barrel. It took them so long to to add fans, and now they can't even get that right. Like. The, the the people they have in, in their shows behind the plexiglass, it just feels so inorganic. How much of that have you seen? Maybe not much since you've been gone, but... A little bit, um, but yeah, I, I hate that a lot. I, I almost hate that more than when it was just empty because it's so yeah, weird. It's, yeah, It feels forced and inorganic, you know, so I don't, I, I, I don't like that. But New Japan hasn't been as bad as those, as those few, as those couple of companies, I think. But it, it is starting to wear on me. I'm glad that it's behind us, at least for now. Um... Now, I'm not going to make any predictions on COVID moving forward. How can you? But, um, you know, the next New Japan we see will have fans, about 3,000 fans in the building. And that's such a welcome just to add atmosphere to the matches and to give these wrestlers a chance to build matches properly to get crowd reactions and whatnot is very important. But my issues with New Japan's empty arena aside, um, I think it's been an okay tournament. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven notebook matches. Most of them low end. Today's show, Okada Hiromu, was a big disappointment for me. Um, it looks like a lot of people agree. It wasn't a bad match. It was a good match. But when, when you've got Okada Hiromu, especially for the first time, you're not expecting a good match. You're expecting a great match. I mean... I would expect those two guys to have a match of the year level match, even without fans. Didn't reach those heights. Just a disappointing match. You know, I think I went like three and a half on it or something, which again, it's still a really good match. Mm-hmm. But what are you expecting when Okada and Hirobu? <laughs> right. You're right, not expecting right. a three and a half star match. You're expecting a fucking killer match. And they didn't reach those heights. So there have been a couple matches. I thought Zack Sabre Jr. and um Abushi was a little disappointing too. Yeah, yeah, I was I was kind of shocked and, by that one. I, I didn't hear anybody talk about it, and I was just like, oh, that's weird. I haven't seen any talk about it. And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, I guess that's why. <laughs> like, because it's it was, it was a match. It was good. Yeah, like everything was good, but yeah, well, it didn't. Yeah, when when you think Abushi and Zack Saber Jr., you kind of in your brain think you know that that yeah, you're going to get elite level stuff, and it wasn't that at all. But where you and I left off two weeks ago was with Nagata Suzuki, which we both loved, and. um I think we also talked about Hiromu dragging Hanma to a really good match. Mm-hmm. But after you le- – I don't think we talked about Sho and Shingo. Which oh, is we have not. No, we have not. Let's talk about it. Jesus. 
Go ahead. The floor oh, is yours. Fucking, People have heard my thoughts. I, I think I tweeted out when I watched it. That, that to me, was the perfect empty arena match. I don't think – I think now that we can maybe, hopefully, finally, fingers crossed, you know, put the, the – the, the, you know, the, the close the doors on empty arena in Japan, that's the top match in the empty arena. I think they – did that the everything that you need to do for an empty arena perfect pacing perfect work the right amount of noise you know they didn't go around the ring and brawl they kept everything kind of in the ring they kept everything impactful they kept the the kickouts at a nice time they timed everything per, like i thought that was just i you know i i think there's a certain ceiling on where you can go with empty arena so i didn't go like five stars with it but i think i went like four and a half or something like that which i think is honestly the ceiling for empty arena like i i think legit the perfect empty arena match, and let's hope that that will kind of cap it off, and that will be it, and that will be the last one that really, you know, sets the stage. And and now we can just move on to arena stuff again and get back to it. But yeah, that that I thought, I just thought it was a tremendous pro wrestling match, and 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 uh, Shingo was fantastic in it, and Show. I mean, that was his to me his real coming out party. That was the moment when when I officially, and I've always been. You know, I've always on this podcast and in the New Japan ebooks or whatever, I've always said, you know, yeah, I know shows probably got the more superstar potential, but let's not say yo doesn't or let's not bury yo or let's not do like I, I, I right that match is when I had to finally say, you know what? Shows the dude. Shows a fucking superstar on the way on, on the way. You know what I mean? Like that dude is gonna be a star. I don't know what yo's gonna do. I don't know. Yo might be fine. Yo might be the junior ace for ten years or whatever, but you watch that match and you go, Oh, show is gonna be the star of that team. Show will absolutely be the one that 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 in five years we we he'll be the quote unquote Sean and, and Marty. You know what I mean? Like after that match, it was just like holy shit, this guy's really good, and he's figuring it out, and he's peaking at the right time, and he's getting the opportunities, and it's clear New Japan sees him. You know, with with that match and with the other stuff that he's done in this tournament, it's clear New Japan sees him as the bigger of the two stars. When they have booked those two, shockingly fifty fifty, and 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 shockingly kind of to the same level, we we. We read about it every single year in the ebook. Is you know, I, I sit down and I think I've written the yo thing the last four years. I think you've written the show thing the last you know four years as well. And we always sit down and we always talk about it and, and we look at the falls and they're like perfect. It's exactly the same. Yo gets fifteen falls. Show gets fifteen falls. Yo gets fourteen falls. Show gets fifteen. And it's like you know, what I mean, it's like difference of one or whatever. They booked them pretty much fifty fifty. But it feels like with this new Japan Cup and it feels like this year and it feels like the way Show is is presenting himself the bulk that he's added, that sort of stuff, that that it's clear one of those two is the one that they think is going to be the star, and, and, and it's clearly show. And after that match, how do you not say that that's going to be show? So, yeah, I liked I mean, it, Joe. I liked the match. <laughs> In case you're curious. Your, your, thoughts, like, your thoughts mirror mine. <laughs> Anybody who listened to my paywall stuff, you basically just gave the same speech I gave about show. Um you know, I feel like people think I'm beating up on Yo, but I'm not. It's it's not an insult to say that I think he can be a top junior in the company for a decade. I mean, I I really, you know, I think he'll have a couple junior title runs. I, you know, I just I I don't think it's an insult to say that one guy just has potential, you know, money drawing potential, and the other I I don't I don't see it the same way, at least at this stage. And that's not saying I don't think Show is any kind of a lock to be a superstar or a money drawing guy or even a heavyweight or anything like that. But I, he has potential to reach those heights. That doesn't look, there's been thousands of wrestlers who've had that potential and have never gotten there. And I would have been wrong about a lot of guys over the years who never eventually. So who knows which show, but there's a presence there with him that I just don't think yo has. And I think that yo, Honestly, I think there's stories that can be told with him. I mean, they teased that LIJ thing years ago, and I don't think that's over with. You know, so 
But that's probably a conversation for another day. But even when you look at these other New Japan Cup shows, Yo has disappeared. He lost his first round match and hasn't been heard from again. They've got show in all of the tag matches. To, on today's show, they they shot an angle to set up the never title challenge that he's presumably going to get against Shingo. Because remember, Shingo was going to defend the never title against Toa Hanare. Now, Toa Hanare, because of COVID, is out of the picture. So I think they're moving the show into that spot. Now, show may have gotten a never title match anyway at some point, but I think I think Hanare was next in line. Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. And it's a shame, but, you know, the COVID is a bad timing for Hanare because he was going to get a genuine push this year, finally. Um, so that'll be delayed a bit. But, yeah, that match was incredible. I went four and a half, and I can't wait for their never match because the first two matches have been awesome. So there's no reason the never match won't match it either. But that's been the best match so far. And, um, you know, on today's show, I guess talk about it quickly before we talk about uh, the finals coming up. But Evil beat Sonata, and Okada, as expected, beat Hiromu. I talked about the Okada-Hiromu match a little bit. And he won it again with the Cobra Clutch. So he had the Cobra Clutch. Um, Hiromu... Uh, got out of it. He did hit a Rainmaker, but then instead of pinning him, put him back into the Cobra Clutch. I really like the finish of the match from that aspect because Okada showed a real level of viciousness at the end of the match. And because um, he could have put him away with the Rainmaker, but chose to put him back in the Cobra Clutch. What do you think of Okada establishing? Because he has clearly established a new finish right. in this tournament. This move is going to be over. Um, I talked about this already a little behind the paywall. I think that it was long overdue because the Rainmaker has been kicked out of a ton now, and he's done a lot of storytelling with the Rainmaker, with the wrist clutch stuff. I think this might have been a little overdue to establish another move. What do you think it is? Yeah, Cobra absolutely. Clutch? I mean, we, we, we saw him bubbling up and doing that, you know, many, many years ago with what was it? The Red Ink, I think was the name of it at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, what, four or five years ago at this point? And, and we kind of all assumed that, uh, they were establishing the red ink throughout the. I think it was either through the G one or or, or or some sort of. I, I forget. I think it was the G one, but I forget exactly what tournament it was, where he was kind of establishing that, establishing that, and establishing that. And we kind of. I I, didn't, I even think I wrote uh, an article uh, on the website about. Okay, well, what he's doing is he's establishing this because you know Tanahashi is he hasn't been able to beat Tanahashi with the Rainmaker. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. 
I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock. E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Tanashi's kicked out of the Rainmaker, so he needs another move. He needs to go to the, the well again and figure out a new move. And he, he established that move. He did it and did it and did it. And then he just kind of like dropped it and, and it didn't become another part of his arsenal. And it wasn't a regular, you know, finish. And 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 I'm somebody, and, and I know you are as well, and and you know, we, we talk about it all the time. I love, I love when guys have multiple finishes. One of the things I love about AEW right now is that like every guy has like two finishes. And against the lower card guys, they won't use their top finish, they'll use, you know, their other finish. And when that's they need to use the top finish, they'll use the top finish. But they don't every single match doesn't have to end with the top finish. And and I like that. I really like that. So I hope that Okada does do this and I hope that he continues to establish that that move can also finish it because it just adds a different dynamic and Okada is a guy who at age 32 we've seen this guy wrestle now for god what is it fucking seven eight years at this point of like top level god maybe even nine right or no 2012 was when he came yeah so like eight years of like high level matches from this guy to the point where he does need to kind of change it up a little bit. He does need to sort of throw a curveball and, and do something different in his closing stretches because he's going to run out of things to do. He's going to run out of ways to kind of construct, you know, the finish of a match. So I love the idea that now he's established, hey, I can finish you off with this. I just hope that he keeps that energy up, you know, and, and continues to establish it throughout the year and 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 finishes matches off after the New Japan Cup with this move and 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 uses it, you know, uses it to set up the Rainmaker, uses the Rainmaker to set this move up. Like that that stuff is really, really cool. And I, I, I hope that he has sort of, address that and and said okay look i need to kind of change things up a little bit and, and and do something different because i just can't rest on my laurels at age 32 <laughs> you know what i mean i can't just do that so i i, I love it i i liked it when he did it with the red ink or whatever and i think almost every wrestler in the world should have at least two finishes or two or three finishes that they can finish somebody off with because it just it lets the match be more interesting and more fun you're not just sitting there waiting for the setup to their finisher you know that you know when, when they get ready to do a move it might be this move it might be that move it might be you know it, like i just think it's way easier to construct a match if you do that so I, I don't know why more people don't do it to be honest can't you picture a spot in either the tokyo dome or king of pro wrestling wherever i'm talking big match setting okada naito Locks him in that Cobra clutch. Naito fading out. That's going to be a great spot. And the crowd's going to buy it. It's going to be a huge moment. Whether Naito can survive that Cobra clutch or not. And that's what they're building to here. But I guess my question is, now that we know it's Okada evil. And evil Sonata, by the way. um, To me, it was a nothing match. It's, I went three and a quarter. I mean, I shouldn't call it a nothing match. It was a decent little... It was Sasha Banks' Io Shirai. That's what it was. Um, you know, a, a good match that that should have been better. But um, so we've got Evil and Okada. You know, surely Rich, this is the conference. Like people get mad at us sometimes because we, and especially me, but we tend to approach wrestling from the business perspective first, right? And some people don't like that. But to me. There's no fucking way they do Okada Naito in, in front of 3,000 fans. <laughs> God, I would hope not. Now, the the best – now, if you don't care about business, the best story is Okada winning the tournament and going for his title again, right? Like that's clearly the best story. But they can't do that, right? They're not going to burn that match 
on a one-third filled building, right? Please tell me they're not going to do that. I mean, the only thing I would say is that maybe you want to put your best foot forward and say, we're back, here it is, you know, pay attention to us again, that sort of stuff. But that's never really how they've booked. They haven't booked like that. They've always saved matches, you know, when they can, except for, I mean, again, we talked about it for the, you know, the, the Wrestle Kingdom this year. They just fucking went with it. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't need to go with it. Business sense said you could maybe hold it off, but they just went for it. But this one would be even more wild. This one would be even more crazy, I think, if you go Naito and Okada in the main event of a you know a, a, a third filled Osaka Joe Hall with three thousand people, I mean it, it. Other than the optics and the PR, like I business wise, it yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. You you don't need to do it. You're already sold the building out. You've already sold it out. But if they want to put their best foot forward and prove, hey, we're back. Here's our top match, whatever. But I think there's a lot more money to be made in, in, in you know holding off Okada and Naito for another opportunity and, and and hoping and praying that it's in front of a giant you know fifty thousand seat you know to fill Tokyo Dome as opposed to you know a, a three thousand Osaka Joe Hall I don't know it would be it definitely be different they they this is not how they typically book so that it would it would be surprising for sure it would just be fucking stupid yeah I mean it'd be dumb too <laughs> because you've already sold the tickets and and. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an instant sellout because people are going to be excited, number one, and it's only 3,000 fans. Why would you do that match in front of 3,000? You shouldn't do that match unless it's in Tokyo Dome again. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, so it's going to be evil. Are you surprised it's evil and not Sonata? I Sonata am. was the favorite pre-COVID, and he was also the betting line favorite, by the way, in the new post-COVID tournament, too. So does that surprise you that it's evil and not Sonata? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would. I would bet the house on on Sonata doing it. And I think he was even. even I think he was legit even odds like yesterday. As as, as heavy I, favorite. Yeah, yeah heavy I, favorite. I, I saw. So yeah, kind of crazy that. Um, yeah, I guess if you're a betting man and you put money on evil at the beginning of the tournament, you're going to do well. Because uh, I mean, I would have never. Yeah, I, I definitely caught me by surprise because I don't think evil has been really built for this at any point, and I, I I'm not a big evil fan <laughs> to be honest. So. Uh, I'm not really looking forward not, to I it. Not, so. I have not liked his tournament. I have not liked his tournament. Um, he's left a lot to be desired, and he's kind of doing this gimmick where he's he's embracing the evil. He's cheating heavily. <laughs> Lots of ref bump. Not just the gimmick with the with the head in the chair right, the, or right, the right. arm or the arm in the chair. He does that every match where he puts a body part in the chair and throws you into the railing or hits it with the other chair. That's part of his shtick. And I get that his name is Evil, right? But it's been very heavy-handed. Like, the story is he's doing whatever it takes to win. I get that from a storytelling aspect, but I'm just – it takes me out of the matches, especially when there's usually another ref bump-heavy or shenanigans-heavy match on the show because it's New Japan. And the problem with New Japan now is they have two heel factions that do a lot of cheating – and LIJ, which which are heel leaning tweeners, is that fair to say? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Who also lean in that direction and do a lot. So now you have three units in the company that are doing shenanigans, heavy shit between Suzuki Goon and uh, and Bullet Club, of course, and and and, and LI. It's too much. It's too much because a lot of these New Japan Cup shows had four tournament matches, and two of them were loaded with shenanigans. And I could deal with it, you know, once a show. And some matches it makes sense. But then it's like a lot of cases on this show, it was the semi-main and the main were loaded with this crap. And that has become evil story on top of it. So, you know, you think Evil and Naito uh, will have a big-time match in Osaka Joe Hall 
for that, you know, first we're going to get evil Okada. First, we're getting two big time evil main events. What are the odds that both of them deliver big? Yeah, um, not good. <laughs> In my opinion, not good. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess he's a guy who is capable of having a, a, a pretty good main event level match, and those are two great opponents to have great main event level matches with. It's just, it's for me right now seeing his output so far this tournament. And, and and really to an extent seeing, you know, Okada's output in, in this tournament so far, which has been, like, I think people are being a little hard uh, on Okada. Uh, but I liked the Nagata match. Yeah, I, I liked the Nagata match, too. So, I, I like, I, maybe if you didn't love that one, I could see it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the, it's just, well, I don't... The, Nagata match, the Nagata match was really good. The Gato match was just a bunch of shenanigans. Oh, was, yeah, and, yeah. And the Hiromu match was a good match, but not to the lo- – look, you, you got to – look – you cannot look. It was Hiromu Okada. I can't cut them any. Snacks. No, for sure. No, I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, of, of what I've heard, you're you're not alone in that. You're not on an island with that take. Like a lot of people are just kind of like, ah, oh, all right, well, that was that. So yeah, so, yeah. I, I guess Evil could, but I don't, I'm just not too excited. But but I guess like from a business standpoint, again, he's a good throwaway guy to you know win because you know you look at the contenders that, that that were in place. You know, Ishii. I would have had no issue. I think Ishii's a decent one to do because. You're not really throwing anything away, but that's obviously done, you know, because Hiromu beat him, which I think is I, I'm not super against that. Uh, you don't want to do Hiromu versus Naito, obviously, in, in, in Osaka Joe Hall. Like you, you have that plan, and you can make some some pretty big money off that. So I get that. Um, Okada Naito, we said that again. Like I don't think that's the right idea. They might do it. We'll see. You know, in a week's time, we might be completely wrong, and they do do that. I wouldn't. A uh, Sonata, I, I think he would have been the, the, a, a decent one too because I don't know, I mean, throw away anything of, of of him, and then I don't know. I guess you could say Taichi would be the other one, but I, I don't know. If, like I'd, I don't know if I, Taichi or Evil who I'd at least rather have uh, winning the tournament, but I guess Evil's not the worst. I'm just not super excited about well, it. So from a business perspective, you're not burning off a huge match, right? 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 In a, in a building that you can't fill, so I kind of get it. I'm wondering if he was the original plan now, or if it was Sonata originally. But because it's only a three thousand seat building, they're like, let's save Sonata and Naito. Do you think Sonata Naito is a bigger match than Evil Naito? I do. Yeah, I do. I do too. Because I, so I, I think you could really, you could really with build that can be a very important match in the career of Sonata. Like you can that can launch him into whatever stratosphere you want to launch him into. And, and cause he, I think over the course of the next year, and I thought this year was going to be one of those years as well. I thought he was going to jockey for position, you know, move up the ladder LIJ and, and, and possibly even leave LIJ or whatever. This year seems like the right time for him to do that. Maybe it's going to be next year now because of all this sort of stuff. But evil is a guy who like the ceiling for evil is not, he's going to break away from Naito and be one of the company's biggest stars. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen, but that could happen with Sonata. And that's why I would keep that and save that for a moment when you're ready to maybe tell that story with, with him. Sonata just came off, what, a year-long feud with Okada. I mean, where they, where the idea was to get Sonata over. And, and Evil really hasn't had that graduation, so to speak, yet. So I do think there's a chance that maybe Sonata was the planned winner pre-COVID, and they've kind of pivoted away because they think Sonata-Evil can be a bigger match. Uh, Sonata-Naito. And maybe Sonata-Naito would have contained some kind of angle that they're not comfortable doing, again, in a smaller, one-third filled building environment. So I'm not going to try to get carried away with fantasy booking, but all of those things have crossed my mind, where maybe this is a pivot to evil as opposed to evil being the plan all along. Um, But who knows? So uh, we've got evil, Okada, I think we both agree that 
Um, it'd be very silly for Okada to win that match. It's also kind of weird for Okada to lose to Evil, but the thing that they can do to get around that is, again, Evil has been cheating very liberally in these matches, so Okada kind of has an out. You know, if Evil, they do a ref bump and some bullshit with a weapon or something, um, you're kind of protecting Okada with the loss. So uh, that kind of makes sense. But, and they've uh, also established over the years that Okada does lose to to, to big guys sometimes. You know, he's lost to Evil yeah. before. He's lost to Bad Luck Folly before. A lot of those were were in the past, and they've kind of gotten away from those. That's more of a kind of a, you know, for Folly, it was like a 2014, 2015 thing. And I, I think he's beaten Evil the last three times uh, that they faced each other. But, um, no, you're, you're – I, I, the cheating plus the fact that Evil's – like, there's ways that they can get around that if they, if they are going to do that. But, yeah, I, I, I tend to think that they're going Evil. It just doesn't it, – it, it, it would be wild. It would just be fucking wild to do Okada and Naito with, you know, no build in a, in a quarter – or a third capacity uh, building. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on that. That's all I'll say. So, Did you see uh, the debut of Master Watto? I've seen videos of it. I've seen GIFs. I, uh, I don't know about that one show. <laughs> People are going crazy about the Master Watto. Master Watto. It looks like I just was just wanted to have a popsicle after I saw it. I was like, mm, you know what? I haven't had a rocket pop in a long time. So. Oh, because he's blue. He's very blue. He's 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 yeah. very blue. If he doesn't come off to Eiffel sixty five, they've really uh, they've really missed the boat here. But um... so this is the way to the Grand Master, as many have uh, <laughs> predicted. Was co- was co- what was, was uh, what co- was co- this uh, poorly translated New Japan uh, world name? Wasn't it River uh, something River People? Wasn't it River People? River Kawato? People. <laughs> River people. people. Yeah. River people. Yeah. <laughs> people Kawato. Um, so, yeah, Harai Kawato. We'll see. I mean, hey, look, everybody, a lot of guys have debuted with really shitty looks and, and have approved them over the time. Um, look, here's the thing. Just because a guy comes back with some vignettes doesn't mean that he has to be a star. I never thought Kawato was going to be a star. Right. I don't think that, like, Kawhi, like, I don't think you need to pencil in Kawato as your fucking King of Pro Wrestling main event. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, he was just, look, he was a, he's got weird underdog charisma, which we have always talked about with him. He's a weird looking dude. Um, he, he's, and he's got, like, an underdog charisma to him where fans would get behind him as a young lion because some guys just have underdog charisma. Yeah. And he's one of them. I never pegged him as like some kind of future player. I always thought he'd be a guy on the roster, right? And there's a role for a guy with, you know, very strong underdog charisma. That's a very valuable role. Tomowaki Hanma remade the second half of his career having strong underdog charisma. You know, and main evented shows despite the fact he never won singles matches, which is crazy, you know? So it's like, but I never thought this guy had a big future. No, no, and we I think about a million times. I think you can look at the the way he and and this is I'm I'm not you know I'm not putting him down or anything, but like you can see the way he looks, and we've talked about it before, the way that New Japan likes their main eventers to look. Sonata, we've said from day one, that's a dude. You know, look at his body, look at like the whole presentation of Sonata. That's a guy that they were going to peg as a future star, even to a lesser extent, Jay White. Yeah, when he came back. He was built. He had, you know, good looking hair. He had good looking gear. He had, like that was clear that that was a guy that they had pegged for a future star, and he was, and he is, and he's there already. Like, I don't, you know, like look at Quado. Nothing against the guy, but like, it doesn't strike me that they're like, oh, here we go. We got another one. Like, he's kind of, he's kind of right? He's okay. kind of ugly. He's got blue hair. Like, it's fine. You know, he's 
but again, like it's not that hard to see who they want as their top top guys and and where Kawada probably ends up. So yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, people are freaking out like he's you know on board. You know he's he's on you know on his way to becoming a king of pro, you know king of pro wrestling main eventer or he's gonna win the G one or whatever. No, it, it's he's back here. He is because they had to pull him back from Mexico at some point, and especially now during COVID, not the best time in the world. But like he's that, and that's that's fine. But like Carl Fredericks, who we're gonna talk about too. That's yeah. a dude that it's very clear that they understand. Oh, wait a minute. Here's what we got here. It's just the way they've booked. It's the way they've they've presented their stars. Well, I see people talking about it. See, from the other See, you're saying you're seeing people talk about it like they're afraid they're going to push this geek. I'm seeing people talk about it like, "Oh, what are they doing to him?" Oh, right. I, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, right." Cuz he was going to be a main eventer, a fucking, you know, until they right. made his hair blue. Yeah, right, right. My whole thing is he was never going to be a player anyway. What's right. the difference? I agree. And it's like I see people saying, oh, he got attacked by Doki, and Doki is a bottom guy. But it's like I think Kawato is going to be a bottom guy. And I think that he's going to beat Doki in whatever match they have, and he's going to win that feud to establish himself. So I don't think it's like this egregious thing that he debuted and got attacked by Doki. Because I think that's his slot, number one. And number two, Doki's a guy he's clearly going to beat. Like, Doki's a great guy for him to debut against and beat. And it also tells you that he's a junior. I mean, we all kind of figured that. But he's going to be a junior. And so that 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 was a, you know, a clue there to what his future is going to be. But it's like, I don't know. I thought it's interesting. You know me, Rich. I love deep undercard feuds. Oh, I'm ready for it. Yeah, dude. I, ho- I hope he comes, because I think he's good in that role. I don't want him anywhere near the main yeah. event. I love the idea of, of Master Watto, you know, coming up in a six-man tag with Taguchi and getting the hot tag and, and coming out like a ball of fire. I'm, I'm down. Like, you know, those old, uh, they've been propped up by a lot of old guys in their undercard. So I think it's time for those next generation of young lions that are not going to be the stars to kind of fill that undercard or whatever. I, I, and I think Oka, whenever he comes back, is probably going to be uh, in that um, that same level as well. I don't see him as like a future star, and that's fine. Like, not every young line is going to be a future star. We've gotten lucky with a few guys that that have have been that way. But you know, we it was it, was, it wasn't that much different than like David Finley. Like, he was never going to be a David Finley. You know, if and when it comes back and whatever is going right. to fill a good undercard role. But he's not Jay White. It was clear even in the young line days. Jay White's the superstar. Jay White is the guy who's going to maybe be an eventing you know Russell Kingdoms in the future. And David Finley will be a good roster member. And that's fine. Like, people have to understand that that is going to happen with some of these young Lions, too. They've hit, like, their, their percentages have been so good lately with their, like, getting stars out of the young Lion ranks or whatever. But that's not what it's really meant. It's meant to just fill the roster all across the board. And, that, and that's probably what, to, to an extent, like, Yo, uh, Watto, Oka, you know, all these, some of these guys, that's where they're going to be. You know, and, and that's fine. That's okay. You need to be okay with that. I, I just like when they give storylines to the because new japan is not great at that no it's usually on their big shows three or four title matches maybe if you're lucky a singles match that isn't a title match but like means something and then a bunch of tags six and eight man tags so i like when there's something deep on the undercard where there's a story i like that doki has a storyline i like that he has something to do other than eat a fall in a six-man tag and that's why I was like, I was into the Yoshitatsu versus um, uh, uh, Bone Soldier thing. Not because it, it was obviously horrible wrestling, but it was a, a prelim level program in New Japan, which we never get. You know, and I thought it was fun that those guys had a little program going 
in the opening match of the shows. You know, we talk about it all the time with WWE. We it's like we like when there's down card women's feuds because they're so rare sometimes. Like something other than the title program in the women's division is always welcomed because for years it was just never the case. And I think NXT is one thing they do well is they give the entire women's roster something to do that's meaningful. Aside from, okay, it's your turn this month to be in the title program. And I think New Japan doesn't always do a great job with having everyone paired off in some kind of program or feud. So I like that there's this little prelim feud to get Master Wato going to whatever they have planned. Maybe he'll just stay a prelim guy or a mid-card guy. <laughs> that, that name is going to be very hard to get used to. It's like... I, I mean, can't say it without giggling. Silly. I can't say it without giggling. Master I mean, Watson. it's inherently silly. Because then you see his face, too, and he's just like such a dweeb. He's a geek. He's a... I love the he's kid. I love him, but he's such a dweeb. It's perfect. Master Watto, and then you just see his face. You know, it's Or there was fun. that like pan they did on the video where it's like his face. And they're just panning past him, and you're just like, good lord. Yeah. Oh, God. It's I love it, though. But hey, you know what? I'm down. I'm down for an undercard geek. You know, we need some more of those, so. And maybe it won't work, and, and they'll go back to the drawing board. I mean, that's possible, too. But I just think with these vignettes, we've been so used to the people being a big deal. You know, it's it's Moxley. It's Hiromu coming back. It's uh, Hiromu the first time had vignette. It's uh, who else had a big vignette? I know there's a million others. Yeah, Jay White, Jay of White. course, had pretty, real famous ones. Um... You know, but it's, it's not always going to be where the guy – I think people get a little wrapped up. Or it doesn't mean they have to be a top-line player. Just because they're getting reintroduced, you know, that's that Gato and Jado thing. Those guys just love Western wrestling, and 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 um, and that's just a you know thing that we do in the West. We give guys vignettes when we debut them, and we like I'm involved. Um, <laughs> Cutting up, you, you get the idea. Yeah, like I it's not it. a, and it's like, it, and look at WWE's history. You know, when they were vignette heavy, especially in the '90s, it wasn't always like a, a future like Skinner got vignettes for weeks and weeks you know with him in the swamp and right you know, who could forget like, blood runs cold the fucking eight months of you know vignettes for glacier and yeah. he debuted as like a dude on the roster and that's it vade hansen remember vade hansen <laughs> do. did he even wrestle a match on tv i don't I even don't know if he actually ever did yeah now that i think about it he was coming for the undertaker remember wasn't he coming for The Undertaker, Vade Hansen? Or am I thinking of someone else? Nathan Jones, maybe? I think you're thinking of Nathan Jones. They, he did wrestle, and yeah, they had a bunch of... I mean, they gave... Oh, my God. They gave Nathan Jones, like, a thousand fucking videos and vignettes where he broke out of prison and did all this sort of stuff. And then, yeah, he wrestled, like, one... He was going to face Undertaker at Mania, and Undertaker was like, no, I'm not, I'm not facing that guy in a one-on-one. And then it was, like, Nathan Jones and fucking A-Train versus Undertaker. You know, remember that? I, they had to change it yeah, to something yeah. or whatever. Um, and then that dude just straight up left. I love the story of him leaving. They went on an Australian tour and he just didn't get back on the plane. He was just done. Right. I love it. It's right. great. Like, nah, I'm good. He had, he had other shit going on, like movie roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always like a henchman in like, you know, action movies and shit like that. I'm trying to think of who the action stars were in those days. Like, what action movie would he have been in? Like a, yeah. like a, uh, Jason. Like I think Jason he was in Stingham Troy, if I remember correctly. Later. Was he the one that was in Troy? I don't know if that's exactly true. Troy? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in Troy. I do remember that now. Like, I feel like he's a random goon that Jason Statham would kill <laughs> right in the now. middle of one of his movies. Like, he'd be confronted with Nathan Jones in a hallway, right? And he'd be like, oh, how am I going to get by this guy? And Nathan Jones is, like, snickering and cracking his knuckles, right? 
Yeah, snorting. The, well, you got to snort a little, you know, and then break, yeah, you know, crack snorting. your neck, snort and crack your neck. No shirt on, of course. Oh no! Well, why would you? And and then that music would come out. It'd be like techno music, and then they'd have their fight scene while the techno music is going on. And Statham would like break his neck, and then make like some kind of wise crack while looking down at his carcass, and then walk off and finish the movie. You know, that's that Nathan Jones had a big future in being that guy, right? So fuck it, I wouldn't have got back on the plane either when he realized his career was going nowhere. But I think Vade Hansen. I think they just always made those guys gun for the. Yeah, undertaker. I think it was. I think it was Hade Vance, and I think that's why I'm not recognizing. I, I well, that, that's close enough. <laughs> when I was looking it up, I should say, uh, I couldn't find it. Yeah, I think it was. I think his name was Hade Vanson. Was his I name? I mixed and, up the H and the V. Yeah, I think so. But who cares? Oh. Yeah, he did. He did like weird vignettes, and then just went away immediately. <laughs> he never wrestled again. So I don't know what the hell. I don't think he ever wrestled. Period. Like, I don't I think. Yeah, I don't. Ever... I don't know what the hell happened with him. So did Brackus ever get on TV? Uh, a few times. I, I'm in the yeah. in your houses right now, doing the in your house series at uh, Patreon.com/slash Voices Wrestling, and and like Brackus is in every single Wrestling Observer, every single month. He's yeah. in every dark match. They're trying like hell to get Brackus oh, to dude, work. Oh, dude, they wanted not, that to happen. It's, so and bad. they must have been floating it to they, Dave, too, because every fucking week in the Observer, Dave's like, well, Brackus is learning very well, and he's starting to take bumps a lot better than he was last week. Like, I don't know who was feeding him the info, fucking Terry Taylor or somebody like that, but every single week was like, Brackus is progressing nicely, or whatever, like, you know, every week. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Dave, just like, you don't have to put every single Brackus update every single fucking week, and, and he did. Yeah, it's like... Uh, you know, Brackus is now upgraded to doing moves off the top rope. So any moment now, Brackus should be ready to go. And it's like, okay. And then he yeah. wasn't. Yeah. And then they said, hey, Paul, here you go. <laughs> what can you do with Brackus? And he said, ah, oh, I got some ideas. Wait, no, I don't. Oh. Here you go. <laughs> like, None. Yeah. I have some ideas. Wait, I don't. Here you go. You can have him back now. And then he did, then he did Brawl for All, and then he, then he was gone. So I can't wait to get to the Brackus era of Joe Member <laughs> to remember. <laughs> And you know Paul Heyman was licking his chops like, oh, yes, I got it. And then, like, imagine he couldn't figure out anything for that guy. This is a guy who made 911 like a commodity in wrestling. Yeah. And he couldn't do anything with Brackus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, really, he got 911 He got 911 over. paid out of the ass from Eric Bischoff just by... Tombstone. <laughs> yeah. He got 911 over like a motherfucker. 911 at one point. In like 1995, I guess. In terms of in front of fans and buildings was like one of the most over people in American wrestling. When he would come out on those ECW arena shows to choke slam somebody. 911. And he couldn't figure out anything. To, what does that say about Brackus? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he must have been yeah. that bad where Paul Haven was just like, I don't know. Like the, the man who can manipulate all the land of misfit toys and make every, almost every single one of them into something. Yeah. Had fucking nothing for brackets. <laughs> like at the peak of his prowess doing so too. Right. You know, and he was doing it with everybody on the roster. You know, so that that is incredible that he could not even he couldn't figure out something to do with that guy, with his look and everything. I don't know. But uh we done with New Japan here, I guess. Uh are we forgetting anything? Oh, Carl Fredericks. Yeah, yeah, you want to talk about Fredericks, who who was officially, I guess, no longer a young lion. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he did an interview with Kevin Kelly. He debuts tonight. Uh, we could say that because this show is live now, Rich. Yeah. Um, he debuts tonight on a two-match, uh, what are they calling these uh, Lions, Lions Break, break Collision? Yeah, we have a preview up at VoicesWrestling.com as well if you want to check that out. Yeah, so they taped a bunch of these things, presumably in L.A. So at least like the uh, the West Coast-based American New Japan contingent 
are getting work on our shores. Because you look at that show, it's all the West Coast guys. Uh, TJ Perkins, uh, Jeff Cobb, Carl Fredericks, Rocky Romero. Uh, who else is on the show? There's a, what, there's a tag and yeah, a Yeah, so you got Cobb, you got Romero, TJP, uh, Carl Fredericks, uh, Mysterioso. Yeah. Up, Clark Connors, Alex Coughlin, uh, Tom Waller. I forgot Filthy Tom Waller. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, those – yeah, because they taped a bunch. But tonight's is um... – Yeah, tonight – let me get the card for tonight. Clark Connors, Alex Coughlin, then Jeff Cobb and Rocky Romero versus TJP and Carl Fredericks. So, okay, so there's a Young Lions singles match, Connors versus Coughlin, right? Yes. And then the tag match is uh, TJP. Cobb and Romero versus TJP and Fredericks, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. So Fredericks, we know – is no longer a young lion. He's going to be debuting, you know, his new gear and whatever his look is going to be. What do they do in terms of a finish in that match? I think he pins Rocky, right? I mean, it's interesting or because Cobb pin TJP. I mean, I, I'd establish it right off the bat. Fredericks pins Romero, but I guess you could do Cobb over TJP if you really want. Or does to. TJP pin? Well, TJP could TJP pin Rocky? Would they do that? He could, I guess. Yeah, Rocky's definitely taking the fall on that end. I don't think Rocky cares about no, no. protecting his God no. And I and I don't think they're gonna beat Cobb. I don't know. I think Fredericks might still lose the fall despite shaking off the young lion rust because it's a weird match in terms of um just the way they book and things. So I don't know. But the point here is, no matter what happens tonight, uh, off we go with Carl Fredericks. Mm-hmm. No excursion. He's like what thirty or thirty one, so the time is now. Yeah, his exact um, age. Let me see, twenty nine. He's twenty nine right now, but well, still point stands. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's not like he's twenty two. So you, you know, because it's you know you know them. It's going to take two years to warm them up, and then another year to. So you're talking like thirty four, thirty five by the time, you know, he's ready to main event or whatever. Or they're ready to main event him because it, it takes them. I mean, I don't know Jay White. They kind of. But Jay White, again, he's not exactly 22 years old either. I mean, he's probably about the same age. But, um, yeah, so we'll see. I'm real excited about that. I can't, I can't wait to watch that. And like you mentioned, the ones coming up, you know, Mysterioso. I just watched all of the Anaheim ones they did in December with Barrett Brown and Mysterioso and, and the Regal Twins and all those guys. And those were uh, much better matches than I thought they were going to be. Mysterioso looks good. I could see them using Mysterioso in Japan. Based on what I saw, oh with those for sure, yeah, best of the super juniors type stuff, super junior tag league, yeah, absolutely. He looked pretty good, and Barrett Brown looked good. I hope he gets an opportunity at some point. Aaron Solo was on those shows, and he was wearing the Folly Dojo T-shirt. Uh-oh. So, well, we we knew he was down there because he worked the Australian tour last year, or whatever, or maybe the year before, or whatever, because he was down there. He's working with the Wheelman. And uh, and down there at Folly School. So what the point I'm making here is you're starting to see some fruits of the Folly Dojo start to trickle into New Japan, too. They've got three dojos adjacent to them on three different continents, funneling talent. It's not a bad setup, you know. So, you know, you got Shibata in L.A. and Folly in New Zealand. And um, and of course, the 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 dojo in Japan. So. And you mentioned Tom Lawler, which is interesting because they have like this tie-in with MLW, and ROH is right there, and it's just flicking their fucking nose at ROH again. Like it's just the lack of respect they've been giving ROH since that MSG show just continues to show itself. We just kind of forgot because of COVID, but 
isn't that kind of a slap in the face that they're working with MLW with this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. A, a Ring of Honor guy. You know, not that I particularly care. It's just notable. And I want to see how Tom Lawler fits in. Do we know what his matches were yet or no? Uh, I don't. Yeah. As far as I know, just the to be announced on those. And I, I don't, I haven't really searched around to see if there were spoilers or whatnot. But as far as officially announced, no. We, we, the only two shows, we have TBA, TBA. We have a list of names and, and that's it. We got Danny yeah. Limelight, uh, Rust Taylor. Uh, the DKC, some of these guys. Oh, so I don't new know. guys. Yeah, there's, there's... Well, you know, they got a million guys in that LA dojo that haven't debuted yet that you see as young boys at ringside for a lot of the American shows. Um, and, and a lot of them do a lot of duties. Like when I went to G1 in Dallas and I went to the media area to get my media pass, Barrett Brown was the guy they had behind the table handing out the media passes, like things like that. Mm-hmm. They put these guys to work, but they don't. They haven't debuted a lot of them yet. Like, you remember the hobo from CWF from uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like you, like he, I think he drives the ring truck. If you watch, <laughs> yeah. if you watch the Shibata documentary, he's like the guy who drives the ring truck, and he's in all the training sessions. And you see him at ringside at all the American shows doing young boy duties. So all these names you're saying that don't sound familiar. He's Danny Limelight's of the world. That's all of these guys that have been in the dojo. It's just that Fredericks and Connors and Coughlin were the top of the class, and they got out first. But it seems like maybe some of these other guys are finally getting in the mix, which is good to see. So, yeah, it shows to be interesting, but I'm really looking forward to watching Fredericks tonight. Yeah. And uh, and really interested how they're going to book the match. All right, so let's. Uh, well, we're talking about Japan wrestling. You want to uh, let's move over to all Japan pro wrestling because they had a very yeah, let's interesting. Let's bury shit. Let's yeah, let's go. Shit. Let's go. I've been ready for this one. I've been ready for this. I told you you were about to start a rant on our uh, our staff yeah. Slack, and I said, Joe, save that energy because I'm with you and I want to yeah. talk about it. So this was a few days ago. So this happened on the 30th. Uh, it was Suwama defending the Triple Crown title uh, against Utaro Ashino. Uh, we had been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. The Infant ter- uh, Terrible's uh, invasion of uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling with Ashino as the leader. Just fucking wreaking havoc over the entire thing. Beating everybody left and right until he finally got the shot at Suwama for the Triple Crown title. He gets it on this show. This was uh, called the Triple Crown of Wilderness. Again, on the 30th, uh, All Japan Pro TV or AGPW TV uh, if you want to watch it there. And um, I will say at the top, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was excellent. The yeah. finish, not so much because Ashino is there. He's there. He's there. It looks like he's got him finished off. So I'm a kicks out, kicks out, continues to kick out, kicks out, survives, and then beats Sotaro Ashino and retains the title. And then Booker Man comes down afterwards to get his title shot. <laughs> we'll talk about that one afterwards. Yeah. But uh, what do you think of Suwama defeating Ashino to retain the Triple Crown title? They didn't make the move. They didn't pull the trigger. They had him lose. Okay, first of all, great match. And I thought Ashino, Ashino was so awesome, I thought, in this match. Um, especially down the stretch. His selling and his bumping for Suwama was phenomenal. I thought the structure of the match and the story of the match was great, where Ashino was going after that Achilles. Oh, the Achilles. Yeah, people kept calling it an ankle lock. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's an Achilles lock. Because that's, the, that's the, the Suwama Achilles. I love that aspect of it. Yeah. Because uh, if people recall, Suwama blew out his Achilles a couple years ago, and at 40 years old or whatever it was, he could have been done. That's I think, we, I think on the show injury. we said he's done. He's history. He's never coming back. I mean, that's a terrible injury to come back from. It's a, it's a miracle he has come back. I, I will say that, really. 
that Achilles has ended the careers of like 23 year old athletes. I mean, it's a terrible injury and it really takes away a lot of your athleticism too. If you're well, able to Ember moon is, is one right now. I mean, I think she even this week yeah. said that like, she needs a second surgery on it. I, I, I mean, like she's been out for eight months already and it might be another eight, eight months or whatever. Yeah, it is. It's a nasty, nasty, nasty injury. And she's much younger than Suwama. She is and much it, younger than, than Suwama, yes. And it might be finishing her off for good. So that kind of speaks to my point. But we've seen pro athletes get finished off by that or come back and they're never the same. You know, that's a little easier with pro wrestling, especially since, you know, Suwama's not exactly ricochet. So. <laughs> He's not really bouncing off the top too much, but still, yeah. But, but yeah, it's still notable that he was able to come back from it. And he gets a lot of credit for that. And he's, he's arguably been this very similar as a wrestler. I don't think it's really affected his ability. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, Oshino went after the Achilles. I love that. And that was the story of the match. And then I thought Oshino just from the limb work going after the, the Achilles and then his selling and bumping down the stretch, you know, he's been one of the best wrestlers this year. I mean, people forget he had the, the match against Nakajima, you know, and, and, and back in wrestle one and, and, um, you know, and, and now the great work he's done in all Japan. And he's been one of the most interesting and best wrestlers this year. So the match was great. Um, I feel like if you do the match, though, for I have so many problems with this. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know where Go to ahead. start. Yeah, I don't know where to start either. I, I, I guess let's – okay. So so we know the result. Suwama defeated Ashino. Maybe let's let's target it with, like, the reasons why you should do this. Okay. Okay. Here's my first problem with it. They did it in front of no fans. That's problem Correct. number one. Because I, I, I and, and that's what I, the rebuttal I've heard from a lot of people, because I, you know, I complained a little bit on Twitter about it and saying I, I hated that decision. Uh, a lot of the, th- the, what people were telling me was, well, they don't want to switch the title with no fans. Well, then don't fucking book it. You don't have to. <laughs> like, you don't have to book it. Like, I hate never, ever, ever, and ever come at me with, well, they, they didn't want to do this. Well, they don't have to. It's fucking pro wrestling. It's not MMA. It's not fucking, oh, my God, this guy's wins. We got to give him the title shot. Oh, there's no way we can not. Uh, no, you could just say, hey, she, you know, you got to go another month. You know, fight through more guys until you get there. So yeah, you don't have to fucking book it if you don't, you don't want to do it. Do it. <laughs> like, it's not the it's not the Minnesota Timberwolves upsetting the Lakers and going to the NBA finals. Yeah, and them the going out. Has no Fuck. Control. Well, <laughs> that's what our, yeah, that's what it is. So. Ah, the ratings are going to tank, but they can't control that. You can control this environment. So it's like my first problem is they burned off what felt like a super hot match and didn't make any money off of it. Correct. That's my first problem. My second problem is then if you do do the match, I don't think – he can't beat Ashino. Like, he he had all the momentum in the world, and it's like, I feel like it would have been a, been a better decision if you're going to do the match that he just needs to win it at that point. Right, right. Or for just that, keep – For people that haven't followed, he has not lost, and he hasn't even, like, particularly even, like – I mean, he's fucking wrecking dudes along the way. Yeah, and, they, and he's burned through every faction on the roster – you know, and and uh, tag matches to be fair, but you know he 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 went through Jake Lee, he went through uh, Zeus and Purple Haze, he went through you know uh, he, he worked his way right up the roster, winning tags. My third problem with it is the entire faction lost. Kodama lost the junior title challenge against Iwamoto. Kumurarashi lost to Jake Lee in the semifinal, and then Ashino loses to Suwama. They beat all three guys in one night after all of this build. And it's like, what the fuck, man? This all felt so hot, and you stopped all of these guys in their tracks. And I'd almost be okay with it if this was it. 
okay. Enfants Terribles came in to do a little run, and we built them up, and our guys beat them all and sent them packing, and now they're off to whatever it is they're going to do. But, Rich, that's not the case. They're coming back. Right, and, and that's when, when the match finished. I the, the, the initial thought I had without looking at the cards, without looking at everything else, I went, okay, well, then I guess I got worked into thinking that they were going to move the title to him, but this might have just been, hey, let's get us through the empty arenas. Thank you guys for your, your time. Maybe we'll call you back. You know, Go do whatever you're going to do. Go freelance. Go move to another company. That's my thought. It was like, okay, this was the blow-off then. This is it. He got to the peak. He got to the mountain. He couldn't do it. Okay, they're done. Then I go and see that they're just right back in there, and I'm like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and to compound all of it, I mean, at least his boys could have won to, like, keep the unit hot, right? Put the junior title on Kodama or give Arashi a huge win over Jake Lee. That's more ballsy. I don't know if I would have done that. But it's like, you know, uh, but I like the build to Arashi Jake Lee where he was holding up Jake Lee's picture in the magazines and talking shit about him. And um, But it's like you beat all three of them. You wipe these guys off the face of the earth, and you're like, I think they sucked a lot of the juice out of that. Um, so I don't know. I had a ton of problems with the booking here and just doing the match in the first place in front of no fans. I'd even give him a pass if they held off and did the match in front of fans and drew some money off of it and beat him. But you beat this guy and you haven't drawn a dime with him yet. That rubs me the wrong way because I really feel like they could have drawn money with this guy in a title challenge and they pissed that away because they already did the match and he lost. At least if he wins, you can make money with someone chasing him. My idea was he beats Suwama and then Miyahara chases him. Because I think Miyahara Ashino, with the way they built Ashino, could have been a big money match. Especially if Ashino didn't have any losses yet. All right. And then you have the company ace save the company from these invaders. Well, and that's, uh, you know, not to, to get into fantasy booking or whatever, but my first you know thought, and, and the re- I think we maybe even talked about this as well. The thing that I love is that, you know, Ashino beats Suwama. And then when they do bring fans back, that's kind of the, the heat is that, like, hey, these, while you guys were all away, these assholes came in, invaded our company. Well, now you guys are back, and I need you to help me, you know, rally to beat these guys and take our title back or whatever. I mean, that just seems like Invasion 101, right? That Miyahara says, all right, we're back here in front of fans, our fans, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, let's beat these invaders. Let's show them that they don't belong here. Like, that seems like the fucking 101. And they just threw that all away. They just pissed it all away. And I don't know why. I just can't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't like any of this aside from the match itself, which was great. So, uh, and then and then, like you said, then the Booker Man comes out and he's the next challenge. The <laughs> Pencil Man comes out. Yeah, we're doing Suji Ishikawa versus Suwama, which all right, but I mean, you know, I think Suji Ishikawa has clearly lost a step. I think most people would agree with that. The last eighteen months or so have not been vintage Ishikawa, and I'm not saying could he go in there with Suwama. Would it be outlandish that they have a great match? Of course not. Both of those guys can rise up and have a great match. But they're also two guys who, you know, Suwama is never a lock to have a great match. And Ishikawa is a guy who just, you know, his fucking age and history is starting to catch up to him a little. So, and from a story perspective, I don't know where we're going. I mean, I would think Suwama retains, but who knows? And a lot of people think they're still going with Jake Lee, especially with Nomura out. And Jake Lee did win the semi here. But I'm sorry, Jake Lee's never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And I'm tired of rehashing it. I'm just, I'm done with Jake Lee as a potential breakout guy. I just don't think he's going to happen. So I think I, I you, know, you know, what I saw from Machino, and look, we, ne- we didn't see him in front of crowds, to be fair. Who knows if crowds would have taken to him? I think they would have, though. 
Yeah, I can't but imagine so- they wouldn't have. I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't know if we're working ourselves into a shoot here, but Jesus, like, I can't imagine they wouldn't have. The only thing is sometimes in Japan it gets a little weird where companies do not accept guys from other companies sometimes. You do see that sometimes where it's just like maybe the All Japan fans would be like, oh, Wrestle 1 guys. Eh. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but I, like, to me that's the heat. That's the part that's awesome Like, is that you say, fuck these guys. Get them out of here. Like, They're the invaders. No, I, 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 mean, I see what you mean. I, I know absolutely yeah. what you mean. They may have seen yeah. him as a lower class guy. But, dude, right. I think he's got so much charisma and he's so off the charts that like – I don't know. I, I don't buy that that would have been the case, but who knows? You're, you're right. Don't I don't know. either I, I, because I thought it was all so well done and they performed so well. That's the part. That's the thing that I don't get is like I have literally zero complaints about how they did it the last you know month and a half, two months or whatever. They that's built perfect. everything for June 30th, Oshino to go in there, beat Suama, win the, like they did it all for that, and then they just didn't do the last part. And now I just don't know what the hell you it, – it, it seems all for naught. It seems like why did I invest in the last two months of this? And you can come back and run it back, but it's never – it's not the you same. You lost it. You yeah, lost the first not time. The same. You lost that. And I really think this card would have filled Corican, um based on the build. And it wasn't just Ashino. It was his boys too. Yeah, yeah. His boys have done very well. I mean Kodama has been a revelation. And Arashi, like I said, the build to the Jake Lee match was awesome. I, mean, I, didn't, I, realize, I didn't realize they all three lost, man. Oh, Jesus. I didn't even – until you mentioned it here. Boom, boom, boom. 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> yeah, fucking the last three matches, they, they all lose. Jesus. They beat them all. And just, you know, I'm looking at the card now because I've been so into the All Japan. I watch all of it, top to bottom, during the COVID. They've done such a good job with, like, serialized shows. One show leads to the next, and they've done more backstage interviewee type of stuff to kind of supplement. They've done a great job. Listen to these match times, and this is why All Japan has done a nice job. 821, 829, 631, 556, 1056, 1253, 824 for the semi-main event. You're in, you're out, you tell your story, you get the fuck out. You don't give a chance to be bored with the no fans. And the main event went 27, but... And I saw people complain that the main event was too long. So that goes to show you. It's like the one match that... Now, I didn't feel like it was too long. No, hell no. I thought it it needed that moment because it was the, the coronation and the crowning of a new champion, but... Well, I was in, I was invested start to finish, but it may be because we were more invested in the match than a lot of people who just parachuted. Yeah, in if, and if said, you oh. parachuted into this, I could absolutely see you getting bored and not thinking it's very good without seeing you know what what that build has been. Yeah, no, I I, I get that for sure. Yeah, so I get why people thought that. Um, but you know, just to show, like all Japan gets it with the match times, and that's they've been so good about that, keeping the match a good length and not overstaying their welcome. And also, they've just changed the way that they've booked, um, you know, in terms of telling their stories. But I'm just disappointed in the outcomes, and we'll see where it goes. I just feel like now they're going to do a champion carnival or something, and Ashino will go, like, seven and three. You know you know what I mean? And, like, the specialness is gone. Like, they blew their load here. You know, it's like he'll go into a carnival and do okay but he'll lose to two of the stars and he'll get upset in another match against like a mid card guy. He'll lose to fucking, I don't know, name a, name an all Japan mid card or he'll lose to fucking Ryuji side or something. <laughs> and, and, and an upset. Cause you know, it's the carnival. So guys are going to lose and he'll lose. And it's like all the juice will be gone. This was the juice. And I yeah. really think they should have now. Maybe this was obviously the plan all along, but sometimes you got to call an audible man. And you got to be like, let's save this fucking thing, because the light was at the end of the tunnel for fans. It wasn't even like you're like they're doing a show with fans, like their next show. 
Like, it was coming. It's not like, ah, it's going to be two more months. Fuck it. Let's just... No. You could have fucking drew some fans with this. I don't know. It's just a little disappointing. Um, but the follow-up will be interesting. And I, again, I would have been okay with it if it was a write-off. That's a whole other scenario. Right, exactly. Yeah, you, you, I could swallow that a lot easier. Okay, that's it for these guys. Now they're going to go to their next stop or whatever. Or, you know, they're going to freelance or they're going to whatever. But yeah, the idea that's like, all right, bring them back. It's like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> like, this is how you write people up. You have all your stars beat them. Yeah, well, especially with, like now that I know. I, I knew that <laughs> Arashi lost, but I forgot that Kodama lost too. So it's like, shit. Like, yeah, yeah. all three of them. It's just like, all right, well, you get, they're geeks. You know what I mean? They all lost in a row, so. Um, and, and people are, you know, people are saying, oh, well, you can run it back or, you know, he's got to go through more people. He has to go through more people. If he had to go through more people, then have him go through the more people before he gets to Suwama. Like, I don't yeah. like the idea you climb to the mountaintop and you fall down. Like, I, I'm not interested in the climb again. I don't really give a shit anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah, completely. There's a way it to do it. Have- it might work. Like, there's a way where it could work. But, like, man, you, it worked perfectly here. Like, and they just didn't. They, I don't know. I'm not saying he's dead. There's just the, the juice is gone. Yeah. You know, the juice is gone. I guess this is a good transition to Junakiyama. Um, who I don't know if you caught this while you were away, but they, you know, he appears to be done with all Japan. Now he's still under contract, but they're doing like a European soccer style contract transfer to DDT. And he's going to quote unquote, play out his deal while working for DDT. And then all of the writing is on the wall. At that point, he's probably just going to become a contracted DDT wrestler. So it appears as though Junakiyama is finished with All Japan. He had his last match a couple weeks ago, I think, don't quote me, against Dan Tamora. I think that was his last match. And he slapped around the young boy. It was a cool match because he beat the living shit out of him. Um, but that's it. He appears to be done. He appears to be on his way to DDT. That's some jump. Um, what's your initial take on this? Because I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, it's to me, it, 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 it hurts because I'm just – not as into DDT as I am in <laughs> all Japan right now. So I will never watch him wrestle again. I yeah. Imagine. That that's the only problem is that I do. Uh, and and I, I have to wonder, you know, if it, obviously it, it's probably his decision in, in, in some way, shape or form, which is fine. Maybe he's looking oh, at yeah. his body and going, you know what? I'd rather, you know, have half, you know, matches where I got to go in there and work hard. And then maybe half matches where I can kind of dick around a little bit and, and, and save my body and, and still kind of stay around. Maybe he's unhappy with, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the history behind it or the background. Uh, behind it but yeah it is a little disappointing because i do think he has a lot to offer uh to the all japan roster and as somebody who's just not a regular ddt watcher it's just now i'm, I'm really just not gonna see junakiyama as much as i was and uh that kind of stinks and I, I i liked a lot of what he did in all japan and i know he hadn't been you know booking or really in power uh for a while there but you know it, it, it can't be understated you know how important he was to the company you know getting back on its feet and and, and literally re- being reborn um, as all Japan, you know, the same name, different company basically. But, um, yeah, I know he had a great contributions and it, it kind of just stinks. Cause I'm probably just not going to see him very often. So I think that last year when he was stripped of power, remember it was very fishy. Um, you know, he, they, he was stripped of the presidency or whatever, whatever his title was. And he had already kind of – he's been trying to reel himself back in the ring for years. I mean, you know, that's been a running joke. Yeah, on it's the, it's the only way for him to get out of the Champions Carnival was to leave the company, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so he didn't have any more front office power. He didn't – he clearly is not a guy who wants to bump anymore. And he, he has earned the right to stop bumping. I have no problem with that. And you could see that he's been trying to formulate an exit plan for his for the next stage of his life when he was dabbling with WWE before the COVID. You know, 
And I know a lot of people got on his case about that. Ah, oh, what's he's going to get involved with the fash promotion, blah, blah. But I mean, I never really blamed the guy for that because he's earned the right to cash in the chips. You know, and if that means a cushy job. Right. Dude's been working his ass off since 19 fucking 92. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's okay if he decides that. Yeah. He if he wants. A cushy, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If he wants a cushy job with WWE Japan or move to Orlando, more power to him, man. I, I think he's earned that right. And, you know, that fell apart, obviously, because they're having trouble making inroads in Japan and COVID happened and everything. But it's it's clear to me that you know no longer being president in all Japan and no longer and, you know having anything to do with the booking and let's not forget his buddy dying in a motorcycle crash. Oh right, which, yeah, yeah. You know, with Aoki dying in the motorcycle crash, and you know he had a hand in, in a lot of the booking in all Japan as well. And those two were kind of running things for a while. He's been looking for an out and an exit strategy, and you know maybe with the change in the front office and the and the booking change to Ishikawa. He just didn't feel and, – and his friend gone and Aoki gone. He just didn't feel a place anymore, you know, and, and I think DDT is a good move for him because he can go to DDT. It's a very stable company owned by a very stable parent company, and he's a guy with front office experience. He's a guy that's respected in wrestling, and this might be him cashing in his chips, and, and he doesn't have to bump anymore. He could have comedy undercard matches with Antonio Honda and fucking Dino and whoever the fuck. Uh, you know, and, and just, you know, he's look, he's not going to DDT to mix it up with Takashita in the main events. OK, if anyone thinks that's what this is, it's not. I mean, because he didn't want that in all Japan. He's not going to get in there with uh, Tetsuya Endo and work 35 minute match. <laughs> right, right. You're not you're not getting that. OK, this is a guy who's winding it down and he's and there's probably, you know, he has his eye on some. Some of that Abima, that's the name of the company, right? Abima. Some of that Abima money front office. I mean, this is a guy setting up the next stage of his life, man. So that's kind of how I see this. And, you know, I, I, you know, from that perspective of, yeah, I don't watch much DDT and I definitely don't watch DDT undercards. I'd rather fucking put needles in my eyeballs than watch DDT, DDT undercards. So I'm not going to watch him wrestle much anymore. I have no interest in watching him wrestle inflatable pandas or whatever the fuck. It's just garbage to me, but it's a good move for him because, you know, I, it's, you know, I don't blame him for not wanting the bump and I don't blame him for wanting, you know, he's kind of a guy who got lost in the shuffle of history, you know, and um, he just, he didn't end up with New Japan and then New Japan blew up and it was with Noah when it all fell apart and then he goes to all Japan and it falls apart and he got them to a certain level and you have to give him credit for the rise of Miyahara but they were never able to establish a second star. And you give them credit for getting all Japan off of death's door, but they really, and still to this day, if we're being honest, they're just a big indie. It was, they were never able to get over the hump because they were never able to make more stars other than Miyahara. And I think that's what sunk him either in the eyes of the people who removed him or he just lost his own motivation with losing his friend and not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe he just removed himself and thought, I just, I did what I could here, but I, man, I got to move into the next stage of my life. I can't be, I was going to say pulling my hair out, but he has no hair over trying to get Jake Lee and, and Naoa Nomura over until the end of time. Cause it's not going to happen. I don't blame him if this was, you know, his decision to do this, but 
definitely interesting and definitely something that I didn't see coming. I guess that's kind of the story of his his career in a lot of ways too. Is that he's always you know been very very close to being you know getting over the hump, but never quite. You know, Noah tried like hell when they first started to make him the star, yeah. and it just it didn't work. All Japan, you know, slowly slowly moved up, moved up the ladder, and then when he was about ready to finally maybe become the star, then it all goes to shit. And and yeah, that's kind of the story of his career. Is just you know, I think the Noah, I think his Noah run is a little does like he drew he was on top for a lot of big houses and mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves as a draw you know I look he was never he never got to the level of, of yeah, it's a, the biggest shadow in the fucking killer. universe that you yeah, had to I follow mean, or get trying to get out of was was tough it's I mean it's an impossible act to follow when you're trying to follow Masawa Kabashi and Kawada and, and all I mean it, it but but you know this is a guy who drew. I mean, you look at the houses he drew and compare, put them in today's landscape, and it's like, you know. But it, but he always has felt like a guy that, to some extent, got lost in the shuffle a little, mm-hmm. you know. And then the, you know, like you're saying, he's about to get pushed in all Japan, and they have the the, the Exodus, and then he gets pushed in Noah, and you know he's got a f- impossible act to follow, and then Noah, you know, Masawa dies, and Noah's going downhill, and then they jump back to all Japan, and it's a fucking on death's door and it's just i don't know never really sometimes it's it's where you are as much as who you are you know and you know timing it's like go shiozaki is another example of a guy who's just fucking snake bitten you know it's i don't know if go shiozaki was ever going to have the necessary charisma to to be a legitimate top drawing ace in japan but i also know that he got fucked many times along the way and a lot of times the, your your perception then ends up cast in stone and then you really have no chance to get over the hump. But I don't want to drift too far because we don't have a lot of time left and we have a few other things to get to. But that's uh, Junakiyama headed to DDT and I guess we should briefly talk about zero one, one right? Because- yeah, yeah. Any, any updates? So the latest that we heard, you know, we, we had talked about it a few weeks ago. I know you did a news update where you talked about zero one one looking like it's on the way out. What if, have we heard anything new since uh, since the last few weeks? Um, no. It. Th- I mean, they're, ha- they're doing their junior tournament. Mm-hmm. So, well, first of all, Okay, so last week, and I talked about this on one of the news updates. I think it was the money. I believe it was the money news update for people that do want to go back and listen. So, so Kohei Sato is gone, and that kind of makes sense because he kind of disappeared from the main event scene. Right. You know, well, like, we talked about. Remember when we talked about the match? And we're like, man, he just got kind of punked there in that main event. He just took the fall, and it was kind of yeah. like, oh, all right, that's the end of that. So, uh, makes sense now. You know, you got to wait. You got to wait to uh, to pass judgment sometimes. So. Again, Akuto Hidaka's gone, and uh, Tatsuhito Takawa are gone. Now, look, those are all older guys, but they're also made up a major core of the of the company. And Sato was arguably the top guy in the company, you know, champion probably a half a half a dozen times. How many times he had to be champion multiple times? But the point here is, he was a top guy. Uh, the managing director too, one of the front office guys, also left the company, and um, Hidaka had very. Um, ominous tweets saying you know i'm leaving the company but i'm not retiring and i'm ba- basically asking to get booked and then wishing zero one well so they're just having obvious money problems when these are probably very high paid guys that are leaving because they're not getting paid anymore you know that if you're going to try to piece it together so uh they appear to be in big trouble i mean they did announce a field for their junior tournament 
and announce a bunch of dates for their junior tournament. So they're going to keep marching on, I guess, until what might be their inevitable death. But they might be one of these promotions that just, you know, go down due to the COVID. So um, it's not looking good. I mean, I, I like Zero I've, I like zero One. I watch all of their shows. I've always watched all of their shows because it's an easy promotion to follow because you get <laughs> like six tape. shows a year. Like yeah, and not a lot of it hits tape, you know. But I got to be honest, and I, I, I'm not going to be all that upset if they fold because I think the wrestlers, the good wrestlers will land on their feet and end up in other places. I'm not worried about that. But it's like, um, you know, as we saw, we just talked about All Japan with Enfants invading All Japan and the little spark that that gave them. You know, I think it's good if some of these promotions go away that are barely hanging on anyway. And we get an injection of talent in some other places that are, you know, more sustainable. What's your take on that? I mean, I don't think it's a horrible – like, I don't root for promotions to close. But if they do in Japan, I'm not all that upset about it because I do think it it's kind of healthier for the scene to give some of these other struggling promotions stronger rosters is what I'm getting at. No, for sure. And I think, I, I think people are used to – you know, people that have just jumped into Japanese wrestling or whatever, and, I, and I'm one of those as well. I've only kind of followed it, you know, extensively for, you know, 10 years or whatever, even a little bit less than 10 years. That's or a long time, Rich. It is, I guess it is. Time. I guess I'm old as shit. But uh, <laughs> that, that uh, is, you know, we're used to there being 15, you know, different companies out there and then and, and, and your wrestle ones your zero ones your all japan your noah your, your you know your your hard hits your fucking heat up you know what i mean like we're used to that like just being a, a scene that's just filled with companies or whatever and that hasn't always been the case like there there was a time in the in you know especially in the in the early 90s or whatever when it was new japan and all japan were the powerhouses and yeah you had your breakoffs and your, your you know your your, your goomies and your your fucking you know uwfs and that sort of stuff and uwfis and all that sort of stuff but for the most part it was like two powerhouses and then just not really much else and we've little by little fractured to the extent where there's really new japan and then a bunch of like you said ranks of different indies where noah again like people are going to get upset about that but they're technically you know to the, to, to to a lesser extent they're just like all japan they're kind of just a, a big indie you know dragon gate i think has kind of fallen to that level as well ddt maybe because of the backing you could put them up another level or whatever but we've gotten kind of used to the fracturing and there being seven different companies and eight different companies or whatever but like it doesn't have to be that way like when it's healthy again it might come that way again but like in the meantime while it's not healthy which it absolutely is not right now and there's obviously dire uh you know, you know, dire situation in all the world of wrestling, but in this particular situation, it might be better for all Japan to be propped up a little bit more, Noah to be propped up a little bit more, and then yeah, you're gonna have your zero ones that are gonna die. You're gonna have your wrestle ones that are gonna die, and there's gonna be other ones that we'll talk about. You know, over over the course of you know the next coming weeks and months or whatever. With Big Japan being one that always seems like it's right on the cusp. Uh, there and it's gonna suck because like we're used to those companies and they have been around but right now i think the most important thing is is to, to make the scene healthier is get those you know top tier four or five companies or whatever get them as much ammunition as they need to survive this and then if things get healthy again then yeah they might break off and fracture and and, and people will form new companies or whatnot but yeah now is not the time for there to be 17 different companies like the, it just it, it's not sustainable the 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 industry is not sustainable for that. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather All Japan be healthier, NOAA be healthier, uh, DDT be healthier. Maybe Big Japan get some, some you know, reinforcements and they're healthier or whatever. I'd rather that than 
a, a business like we have now where it's New Japan is, is you know, so far ahead of everybody else that it's not even close. Like, I, I don't love that. I, I think that's kind of shitty, and that's kind of what it is right now. It's New Japan and, like, ten other people just kind of floating around in this pond. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with it. It sucks that they're, like, you know, a company's going away. And, yeah, but if it, if it helps, you know, these other companies that are surviving and are going to make it through be a little bit stronger, I, I, I can't advocate against that. I mean, we've been hearing about New Japan's growth trickling down and helping the other promotions for almost 10 years now. We've been hearing about, oh, well, it's going to increase the popularity of wrestling and it's going to benefit everyone. I don't think that's happening. No, they've they've cultivated New Japan fans and that's it. Yes, yes. These these new New Japan fans that New Japan has created, they don't seem to be seeking out other wrestling. To they don't it doesn't seem like they are craving more wrestling and they're like well I see all Japan is coming to Corican next week maybe I'll check that I don't feel like that has and we're now almost ten years into this thing of Bushi Road growing New Japan so I don't see any evidence that that has occurred and I thought that was a valid theory too for for a while but I just don't see it occurring you well know? you can and, also uh, see it too in the fact that New Japan doesn't do shit with any other company like that and that's never oh, yeah. been the case like all Japan even in its peak was helping out other guys and bringing in other companies and doing all together shows and that sort of stuff. New Japan in even in the 90s is yeah, you know if I come on in. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, fucking, you know, Tenru, yeah, come on do. Let's yeah, let's do this. SWS what you know, what I mean like they they were always that this New Japan, this Bushiro New Japan, they're worried about themselves growing themselves and building their brand, not building yeah. the the sport of pro wrestling in Japan. Well, those promotions back then were incentivized to help each other out exactly. and yeah. New Japan doesn't have that incentive because they're growing on the. It's like they have the high ground, and there there's just no incentive for them to. What's their incentive to like like they've dabbled with it? I mean, they had the Noah thing, and they brought Marafuji and Nakajima into G ones, and but that's because they wanted to poke their nose and get that ownership stake in Noah. Yeah, which and I think everybody DDT found that out too. Hey, oh yo, yeah, you're gonna help us out, or we're gonna work together? Okay, cool. Oh wait, no, hold on a minute. <laughs> like that's not what you're here for. And yeah, that's kind of yeah. into that. So. Yeah, and all it doesn't help when Tanahashi totally punks out fucking Hiroshima. <laughs> I mean, that was That's weird. Still an all-time great moment. Yeah, it's just like... and that was weird, especially a guy like Tanahashi. It's like you think he'd be amenable to business, but he's a cutthroat dude. Nah, like dude, he, un- yeah. he understands wrestling and what you know, staying over and getting over, and that was a weird fucking match with no comeuppance. Um, but yeah, but zero one. I mean, hanging on by a literal thread. And there's some talented wrestlers there. Masato Tanaka, Yuji Hino, um, you know, Sugi, who we love probably more than anybody else does. Um, uh, Sato, who already left. And then the older guy. I mean, look, Shinjiro Otani. I mean, he's going to hold on. He will go down with the ship, you know, as, you know, front office guy and being so tight with um, with Hashimoto in, in his younger days. So, you know, there are guys that if it does fold, you know, I, I, all the guys I just named are going to be fine. All of those people are going to get booked. You don't have to worry about them. You don't think someone's going to book Yuji Hino? I mean, give me a break. Maybe Sugi might have trouble. I don't think Sugi will be popping up in Noah anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, <laughs> I don't I mean, think so. I, you can forget about Noah. Um, but, you know, look, they've got this junior tournament scheduled, and it doesn't end until August 2nd. So they're just going to keep going until <laughs> – I love it. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean um, – you know, it's a, it's it's really a pretty interesting tournament too. When I look at it, I mean, you got you got Hub, or I think you're supposed to pronounce it Hubu, right? 
I don't know why there wouldn't be another U in the end, but that's our boy Hub with the tail. Yeah, maybe, maybe Ricky Starks can get a booked in AEW. So yeah, alert Ricky Starks. It's like one of his favorite wrestlers. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the thing I'll always remember about Ricky Starks is fucking loves Hubu. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, it would be like in the early days of Ricky Starks, and he'd like you know like. I don't think they were ever DMs. They were like very out in the open or whatever. And he's just like, hey, oh, yeah, is there yeah. any new Hubu matches? <laughs> whatever. And we'd have to link into some dirty ass link. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> it's like, man. Well, like... I, well, if you remember, I had him on the show. And you you weren't on that one. But I had him on the show like in 2013. And I'm just interviewing him. And we're talking about – he's. I was like, oh, so what kind of stuff are you watching on – he mentioned watching YouTube, you know, being, a, being a tape nerd basically. And I'm like, well, what kind of stuff are you watching? And he goes, oh, I'm watching Hub. <laughs> right. First thing he mentioned. What? <laughs> like most oh kids are, are watching, like, you know, the fucking Iron Man match. They're watching Shawn Michaels main events. And this guy's watching the dirty ass fucking, you know. He's like, yeah, have you seen this guy? <laughs> you know, he's got a tail. And I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think anyone else was. But all right. Um yeah, so Hub is in the tournament. Um, he's getting a bye, and uh, uh, Kuboto is getting the other bye. And then there's some interesting matchups in the middle. It's uh, uh, Kitamura versus uh, Drew Parker. Sugi against Raicho. Those are our boys, Rich. They're going against each oh, other. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I hope, they, I, yeah. I hope there's a gentleman's handshake at the end of that match. I, I hope so. Hope and pray. I hope so, too. Uh, Lindemann is, is, is in the tournament. Um, poor guy can't get booked. Oh, He's, for He's facing, uh, Oh, the Shima coattails are not working this time for those guys. Yeah. It's Lindemann. They're down to Kansas. zero one junior tournaments. That's I know. Great. Well, I think the Shima thing's working against them. I think Shima has oh, so much heat yeah. that it's working against those guys. And T-Hawk's talking about retiring. Yeah. There's like 15 years where riding Shima's coattails was the thing to do. And, and these guys picked the, uh, apparently the absolute worst time in history. Uh, to ride yeah. the coattails of Shima, because, yeah, that's uh, it's not going well. Yeah, T-Hawk being like, yeah, you know what? I might get into the trades or something. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, the, the, the China thing didn't work out. and We got to save T-Hawk. We got to save T-Hawk. We cannot let that man retire. Just when he started getting good. We can't do this. I mean, they can't get booked. I mean, if COVID clears up, I mean, you know, Khan will take him. He loves him. But it's like, it, it, it's, it, Lindemann's still like 24. He's going to be fine. And Lindemann's great. Lindemann is one real push in a high-profile promotion away from being considered one of the best juniors in the world. That's the only thing in the way of that, is a staying in one place and getting a push. And that place isn't 0-1, but <laughs> Don't. he's in the tournament and he's facing Ganseki Tanaka. And then the other first-round match is, uh, what was it? Oh, it's Otani, of course. Otani against uh, uh, Yomihito Imanari. That's the... Uh, the other first round match so it's a mix of zero one regulars uh really good that's really good outsiders like lindemann and then like grimy indie sleaze guys too so um it's really not that bad of a lineup that's a pretty good lineup actually yeah the 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 outsiders actually propped that up a little bit without those guys i could say but no i I don't mind that i don't mind that lineup it's pretty good i mean you got some potential matches there i mean you know if if okay so we can get sugi versus uh, if he went, well, Lindemann would face Lindemann would face the winner of Hub and Otani if Otani wins his first round match. So that'll be good no matter how it ends up. And the other side, a little weaker. Um, I don't know. Who could predict 0 1 Yeah, I mean, why even bother? It's, <laughs> Who knows? 
I mean, I think a, a Sugi versus Hub final would be fun. I think they had a singles match earlier this year. Or Lindemann, but they're not going to send Lindemann to the final because he's an outsider, more than likely. But who knows? I don't know. Um, who knows if it'll even finish, though? That's the thing. And the other thing is, who knows how much of it will be on tape? You'd be lucky to see one match out of this thing, or the final, if you're lucky. So you can sit here and go, oh, who's going to face who? But you're not going to fucking you, you see You might that. not see <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to see much, so don't... Uh... Yeah. Anyway, at zero one. There you go, a little zero one. We are, you know, they they might be on death's door, but we are still a zero one podcast. So, yes, get it here. Well, speaking of a, sh- uh, a promotion that we might uh, never see or hear about again, we'll move over to America here for our last topic. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, kind of been rumored and bantied about, but it is official now. WWE has acquired ownership of Evolve. Uh, this is Mike Johnson, PW Insider, who was the first with it. I uh, says WWE has officially acquired ownership of Evolve Wrestling. Uh, the deal was finalized after several months of negotiations between the two parties. Uh, WWE now has the rights to use the Evolve brand uh, name and produce Evolve events. Uh, there will also be Evolve slash WWN content added to the WWE network. So um, it's official now. So what do we think's next? What, what are those next steps? Do they ever run an Evolve show? No. I would say they're not doing that either, yeah. The most exciting news there is that there's concrete plans to put that stuff on the network. I'm hyped about yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. I, oh, fucking, I'll watch it. <laughs> it. It specifically mentioned the GG USA and Evolve libraries going to the network. I don't think say? so. It, so it always said, it, it. they were careful to say Evolve slash WWN. So Evolve was always the first... Well, WWN isn't going away. That's right. That's that, Again, we talked about it a little bit you know, the few weeks ago, and we said that they're, they they got ready for this. They built different companies on top of each other to, to move things to different. Like, the training school is its own thing. Evolve yeah. is its own thing. WWN Inc. is its own thing. So it's, it's, it's yeah. weird in that Sal sense. Sal Hamuai, or however you say his last name, he's staying in business under WWN. Shine is still moving. FIP, I, baby. <laughs> there's conflicting reports on FIP. Some of the reports say there's part of the sale, but I read something else that said it's going to keep going. So I don't know what's up with that. Shine for sure is going to keep going. I think there's one more under there. Yeah, ACW. ACW, I think, is the other one. That, right, that ACW. Have. So so Sal is keeping at least two of his promotions, maybe three, depending which report of FIP you want to believe. So this is Evolve, and I would assume the Dragon Gate USA tape library too because it's essentially the same. But I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I'm not so, sure either. Yeah, I, I, it, I'm looking here. At Johnson, he does not say it in his report. He just says that Evolve was created as a Dragon Gate USA offshoot, uh, while DGUSA was a satellite promotion for Shima and other Japanese stars here in the States. Evolve was based on a different fighting side. Yeah, so that's all he says about DGUSA. He does not say Evolve and DGUSA will be on the network. It's, it's Evolve slash WWN content on the network. So I don't know if that just means like the WWN Super Shows or the Evolve adjacent stuff. That's going to be the fascinating thing to see if that DGUSA stuff does pop up. Hey, you know what we could do? We could just ask. We could just ask. Why don't we ever think of that? I mean, we could just ask. Now that's all out in the open. Happy 4th of July. Oh, and... (laughs) Yeah. You always got to smooth it. Hey, hope your family's doing well. Hey, by the way... Hey, he gave, look, Gabe gave us a real quote the first time yeah, we asked about this. Yeah. So he gave us information. Um, yeah, the, but anyway, the exciting news is that they, there's plans to put that stuff on the network. And I know we've talked about it, but it's like – I know people are still worried about scrubbing the music. But again, I really feel like if you can do it for ECW, you can do it for anything. I really don't think it's a big deal. Um, you I might just get always some wonder if they really want to 
waste the t- like I can't imagine like an intern getting like this. J- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, here you go. Here's a valve. Scrub all this shit. Like, look, I, all I, you're really doing is chopping entrances, and, and that's what out- I would do. I, what I would do is just go in there, chop the entrances off, and just get start within the ring. Do do, do the yeah. PWG style where they just start in the ring and, and New Japan it. World. I mean, New Japan World. Nearly every match, there's no entrances. Right, right, right. For the older stuff. I mean, we live with it. I mean, it's not ideal. I would prefer the entrances with the music. Who wouldn't? But if you know, if it's that or not having it at all, just fucking chop them. You know, and just put fucking random, fucking. Warner Chappelle fucking uh, public domain music over the fucking outros. That's all. I mean, you don't like it, but you live with it. That's all. you know the like the first twenty evolve shows. It was just a drum beat for every guy. <laughs> yeah, those those will be those will be up in, in 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 no time. You can put those up right now as long as you maybe listen to the commentary real quick and make sure there's nothing nothing bad yeah. in there. But <laughs> the whole gimmick was that there was no music for like the first twenty shows. So that's exciting to me. That that stuff's gonna be on the network. I will eat that for fucking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'll watch those shows. There are periods of Evolve that are great. I mean, we've talked about it. And now that it's a dead promotion, it's like there's periods of Evolve that the whole thing is interesting. Like even the bad shows now. See, here's the thing about bad wrestling and bad periods of promotions. They're bad in real time because now that you know they're bad, there's value in the rewatch because you're not expecting it to be good. Does that make sense? Right. There, w- there was the wait a minute. I just paid twenty, you know, twenty bucks for a fucking terrible stream of this badass, this fucking horrendous show. Like I'm pissed off. This sucked. Whereas now it's like ah, whatever. You just pop it on in the network. You watch, you know, Evolve Five or whatever. You see fucking Sammy Callahan roll around in the ring for a little bit or whatever. So yeah, no, there's there's definitely value to it. The now. dynamic totally changes on a rewatch in terms of bad wrestling because you know it's already bad. You're not expecting it to be good, like you're saying. You're not blowing money on something and then being disappointed. So um, yeah, I mean that's really we knew this was kind of this was the rumor, the prevailing rumor, and it, we knew it was probably coming. Um, you know, they're definitely a victim of COVID. I think COVID put them out of business because they were planning running WrestleMania weekend. They lost a lot of money not running WrestleMania weekend. And I think that the prospect of attempting to run in a COVID world and a post-COVID world, you could just tell. I mean, Gabe made that Facebook post saying distancing and limited tickets and this and that. This is going to be a pain in balls, like I'm paraphrasing. But I think COVID just – was the final nail on the call. I think you read that back and just said, ah, this shit isn't worth it, whatever. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm throwing in the towel here. Uh, yeah, it's just I'm, I'm cashing in my chips, Junakiyama style, and uh, and that's that. And, um, you know, and, and Sal will soldier on with his other three promotions. And um, that's just, that's it. That's the end of Evolve. I, I, you know, I, I, the one thing about it is it occupied a space in the indie world that I don't think can be filled. And I don't want to have the same conversation we had last time we talked about it, but whatever you think about evolve, whatever jokes you want to make, um, it's going to be a weird world without a ring of honor slash dragon gate USA slash evolve slash Gabe company occupying that stepping stone place in the indie world. Yeah, we just don't. I, I think people, you know, people misconstrued what you were saying on, on Twitter. I know it's shocking that you did that. But, yeah. like, for those that didn't live it, like, what we've had since Ring of Honor really, by 2002, 2003 or whatever, once Ring of Honor really got off the, we, we've always had a countrywide super indie. You know what I mean? Like, yes. we've had that forever. We've had that We're company. running it. For better Gabe, or worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, with, with Gabe being the, the, the spearhead of, of uh a touring 
super indie that had the best workers that weren't in the major companies wrestling for it. Yep. And Evolve has kind of stopped being that over the last few years. It's, it, it, it's become something different. But for all intents and purposes, it still was that thing. It would tour. It'd come to your town. It would, it, you know, if you were in a big city, you probably got it at least once or twice a year or whatever, maybe a few times per year or whatever. We've had that since, you know, 2002, 2003. And now we don't have that. And I don't know who's, you know, people brought up names of who's the next step up, but I don't know that many of those companies are ready to tour nationally and fucking be the the, the next step. Like, GCW's a totally different thing. GCW does tour. Totally GCW does a great thing, but GCW does not strive to be here's the guys that are the next level the the triple a the 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 rising stars the prospects of wrestling that's not what they are they're not a touring national prospect company like ring of honor or or, or you know all those other companies were does it the the, the gabe legacy promotions it's not what game changer yeah is. and that's they're, fine game changer isn't it they're doing their own thing and they're yes. finding success with it but they're not that other thing AAW is they're gonna tour. They're not gonna tour across they're the fucking nation. Chicago. They're Chicago, they're man. You're like, yeah, yeah, they they are those next guys up, but they're not fucking going to California. They're not gonna bounce around to Philadelphia, New York, and 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 Dayton, Ohio, and all. They're not doing that. Livonia, Livonia, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to Livonia, like. And it's not even so much about the the tour, the doing weekends in different states. It's just the place that it held right. in the pecking order. There's no other promotion that can fill that void or hold that place. And the thing is, I think that era is over, and there's no place for that kind of promotion anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a different era now. We've moved on from that era of the indies. And Game Changer does great things. They're not necessarily for me, but I always praise them for their business and the things that they've done. But they hold a different, far different place in the pecking order than the Gabe Legacy promotions did. And people, when I made that tweet, ah, oh, what about PWG? Totally different animal. You're wrong. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Totally different place in the scene. And, and, and that's not downgrading PWG. It wasn't. It did not hold the same place in, in the pecking order that the Gabe promotions did. It was an all-star show on the West Coast that ran six times a year. Okay, it wasn't. It, it's not, you know, and now they're going to come back and say, it's actually, they ran 11 times. You get the right, idea. But they're not in your fucking and city. Unless you live in fucking Los Angeles, they're not coming to your city. Unless so. you lived in Reseda. Yeah. Okay. And, and, it, and it's not, and it was an all-star show. It didn't hold the same place in the pecking order that the game. There's, there's nothing that can replace that. And, and honestly, I don't think. There is a place for those kind of promotions anymore. Yeah, there, the talent isn't there. there. There's not. I, there's not somebody out there that's going to say, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to fill that void. And who do you grab? Who's your roster? Who's your 15 guys and girls that you're going to pick up today and say, you know, what? we're going to we're going to do it. We're going to fucking be this the the we're the next super indie, the next one up. They're not there. I couldn't name 15 names that are there. I, the talent isn't there, and it, and they it, it's also there's four or five different. There's a half a dozen different promotions in the United States giving those guys contracts now. So you know you there, there's no there's no need to occupy that space because people are jumping right from the AIWs and the AI and the AAWs and the and the and the and the, and the, the local indies to contracts with either forget WWE and AEW but also MLW and Ring of Honor and NWA. There's just so many promotions now. When, when the Gabe promotions occupied that space, there was one company giving out contracts. And I guess you want to throw in TNA, you can throw them in right. too. Okay? And they're still – and that's another one. There's literally a half a dozen companies in the United States taking all of the talent now. Before that, 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 that place, that space that the Gabe promotions occupied, it's, it's redundant. There's no use for it. And that's, I think, why Evolve did struggle down the stretch because all that talent – 
that Gabe would have used as the final stepping stone stop was getting signed by all of these promotions. And that's the world we're in now. We're in a world where there's no use for that sort of promotion in that space. Right, yeah. One of the names that we brought up, you know, two names that that to me are so obviously in another era would have gone through and and, and done, you know, Gabe stuff or done those second tier. Like a Jake Atlas and like uh, um, uh, Chris Statlander were both people that were like – you could tell two years ago, hey, these are these are budding, you know, they're they're really good. They're picking it up pretty well. They're gonna be there pretty soon. And and little by little, though, they were getting bookings, and then boom, they're snatched up. Yep. AW snatches up Statlander. Jake Atlas gets snatched up by by WWE. In any other era, they would have done their indie, their their you know kind of AIWs, Beyonds, and those sort of indies for a few years. Then they would have done Evolves, DGUSA, fucking Ring of Honor, whatever for 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 a year or whatever, and then get snatched up or two years or whatever. But like like you said. WWE now is just foregoing that that extra step and just saying, "Ah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll finish them here. We'll, we'll we'll give them the training they need here." And AEW in a, in a wrestling war is saying, "Ah, whatever. You know, we need we need bodies. We'll we'll take her." You know what I mean? Like, and 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 that's you know. And then those other four places too are are trying to they have to fill rosters. Right. Your Ring of Honor and and Impact and NWA and MLW and you know I think that has contributed a lot to the demise of those of the Gabe promotions as well. I mean, I think that's, you know, that they became redundant, you know, and, and the talent dried up because you had six different places signing them up. And I think you gave two good examples with Atlas and Statlander, you know, they they would have never been signed this quickly in 2005, if they would have been signed at all. I mean, look at all those ROH guys from that era. It took, they didn't get signed until they were in their late thirties. Yeah, a lot. Patrick Strong. Like it's got signed, you know, what, four yeah, years Austin ago? Ari- yeah. Austin Aries and Cesaro. And I mean, a lot of these guys didn't get signed. And, you know, if if, if the scene was uh, as, you know, if there were as many promotions back then as there are now, none of those guys would have lasted as long as they did in ROH. And ROH probably wouldn't have become what it became because they wouldn't have been able to retain the talent. And it would have went down like Evolve just did. So, um, you know, it, it, it it's going to be a weird weird you know time to not have a game promotion out there and and the same could be said for Chikara I thought they occupied a very unique space as well you know they kind of did their own thing in their own little universe and had their own little fan you know fan base that was different from the larger indie fan base and now you know and they don't exist either for very different reasons but two anchor promotions of the indies those were the two anchor promotions of the indies was whatever Gabe was doing at the moment and Chikara, for what? A decade, longer than a decade, 15, 20 years. Chikara was on season 19 or season 20 at this point. So you're talking, you know, almost 20 years, those were the two anchor promotions of the Indies. And now the Indies have kind of just gone back to being more of a local thing in a lot of cases. And, you know, you've got what Game Changer's doing, which, again, is great, but occupies an entirely different kind of space. And now we're in a new indie era with independent wrestling TV and basically everybody being streamed and a lack of – you have to find a niche if you're an indie, whether it's meme wrestlers or whether it's um, deathmatch wrestlers or whether it's – you know because the great workers do not last. The Jake Atlases and the Chris Statlanders are going to get signed very quickly by somebody because it's a competitive market. 
So you got to find your niche. And Game Changer is very lucky in that they have a large roster of guys who are never getting signed by Right, anyone. they got a kind of an ECW thing going it's, on, a, a yes, Misfit Toys yes, thing, where it's like Eric Ryan is probably safe for a while, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is good. I mean, that's great that they've cultivated that, and it's great that they have that. But, yeah, it's it not – Clope and, and, and <laughs> you know, um, you know, you could go right down the line with, with the guys that they use. Um, uh, who's the guy that uh, – cut up his bicep and nearly died last year. I mean, that guy, you know, it's like G raver and, um, and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, I can't think of any of these guys names right now who Jimmy Lloyd and uh, these guys are never yeah, getting Jimmy, signed. Nobody is signing Jimmy you know, Lloyd. It's, it's, so. <laughs> so it's like, and, and I'm not trying to disparage them. I'm, it, 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 and they've, it's, it's a completely different space that they occupy and, and they're appealing to, and that's how you have to appeal to indie wrestling fans. That you have to offer something other than work rate, there's not enough work rate guys to go around. I, I fully believe that work rate wrestling can still draw and would draw better than a lot of this other stuff. Okay. But there aren't any work rate wrestlers out there. So there's no test case for it. And all you need to do is look at PWG and see how they struggle to fill their cards now and have to look to Australia and Mexico and everything else. Cause there just aren't a lot of good, solid work rate wrestlers anymore. I think that good wrestling will always draw. The problem is the indies are devoid of those type of wrestlers right now. And we need to cultivate the next gen, but it's hard when they immediately get sucked up and signed. All right, and that will do it for this uh, this episode here of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. As we mentioned, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, voice wrestling.com slash Patreon. The, the ones listening live, you know that. You're $10 subscribers. You get it. Uh, if you're not a $10 subscriber, you listen to this on uh, your podcast app. If you want to listen to the show live as we do it, uh, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. We also have plenty of great stuff there uh, for the $5 tier. I just released my vacation, talking about uh, my vacation, my trip. Uh, to various national parks. The uh, In Your House series still going on. Uh, Joe Vember to Remember also on that $5 tier. So plenty of stuff for the $5 tier. If you want everything, though, the $10 tier. We cannot recommend that uh, enough. Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. We also mentioned the website as well. VoicesWrestling.com. Some uh, previews of stuff coming up. Reviews of the New Japan Cup. Uh, uh, shows that have happened uh, as well. A lot of other good stuff going on there on the website as well. But uh, that's it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Crate. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs>